0: Hello, everybody.
1: Hello. Hello, beautiful wife. Hello, beautiful husband. Uh,
0: And welcome to the recap. The
1: recap. For book three. Book
0: three. Uh, If you're just joining us now for the first time ever, uh, just a little heads up. This is a recap for the entirety of book three of Curse the Crimson Throne. Uh, If you are just getting into the podcast for the very first time, be sure to check out the recaps for books one and two. Before you listen to this, because it, it is still required information. But the goal of this is to catch you up in, in a kind of shorter version than listening to the days worth of recording that we have. <laughs> uh, and if you've been listening, it's just a nice opportunity to check in with us, uh, see how you're doing. Uh, you can see how we're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is two days before Thanksgiving, uh, and this is going to be releasing on Thanksgiving along with a new episode.
2: What? Two episodes in
0: one
1: day. What?
0: no, now we're cheating. It's one of them's a recap, so. (laughs)
2: Uh,
1: As may be inferred from the title and the premise, spoilers abound, so be aware. We're
0: gonna be talking about the entirety of book three. We are
1: spoiling the entire fucking season Um, for you here. And
0: additionally, uh, I'll also be talking a little bit about some of the stuff behind the scenes, both in the book and my own, uh, changes. Cause I do change things. Uh, that is part of adaptation is making changes. Yes. Uh, and I'm going to be talking about, uh, some of what I did and why, uh, Daft, uh, you got any stuff beyond just the events of the book that you're going to be talking about?
1: Uh- I, I, probably not.
0: Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do have to keep this to roughly maybe two hours. I'm hoping. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I need
1: to. I need to make sure that I don't talk too much. as the thing. Yes. Uh, speaking of,
0: uh, you might notice there's a lot more pauses and ums and things in this. That's because for these recaps, we try to keep it a little less formal. We try to be like a little more conversational.
1: loosey Goosey. loosey Goosey.
0: And uh, this is pretty much the raw audio. Uh, or so,
1: radio, as the kids call it. I don't
0: think anybody calls it. <laughs> Not yet.
1: We'll
0: have to talk to some kids. First, we need to know some kids.
1: You also get a bunch of jokes that haven't been
0: focus tested. Yes. Uh, and I'm looking at the focus group. They're they're shaking their heads. They're saying we should cut that one. Fuck you! <laughs> anyway. So, what happened in book three of Curse of the Crimson Throne, Deft?
1: Well, 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 well. Um... Well, uh well <laughs> <laughs> blood veil cured for the most part. we uh went through a bit of a time skip that involved the party sort of acclimatizing to their role as the saviors of Corvosa mm-hmm. uh siren got a merch deal, yeah
2: <laughs>
1: uh. um and uh.
0: Yeah, we had a little bit of time to just adjusting to the new normal um which was uh, uh, interestingly i believe when we were recording this was sort of around the time that uh we were coming out of lockdown mm-hmm. and then we were releasing it it was sort of the time when pandemic stuff was sort of uh fading out of public consciousness uh and i mean we're recovering sorry <laughs> um and and so it was again it had this really crazy resonance for us in what we were doing uh but then the things that don't have resonance uh Kester was kidnapped
1: yeah <laughs> yeah um Kester was kidnapped uh absolutely terrifying um i feel like that was a point where like so none of the Kester stuff is in the book. Like we've, no. all of that stuff is stuff Rain makes up. Yes. Uh, and a lot of it is devised specifically to make me as upset as possible. Yes, like,
0: like most of my jamming decisions. <laughs>
1: um, and
0: uh, I mean, so so it's probably not, it's probably not good to say that uh, I came, came up with all this on my own. A lot of what I try to do in times between books is sort of highlight elements of the setting or the story that really don't feature centrally in the book itself, but like uh, are sort of explained to the GM either through box text somewhere in a, in a like explanation thing, or that comes from another book. Uh, explicitly, what I was trying to do starting in, in session 43 mm-hmm. was like really flesh out the world in sort of the area outside Corvosa, excuse me, as well as kind of getting into the politics of Corvus itself, which is why we have Marcus Endrin come in and uh, teach yeah, you guys yeah. how to spy. Yeah, uh, no, the that other, was great. The other reason, of course, being that uh, I wanted you to Get a connection of to who Marcus Endron is. We're starting to deal with the power structures of Corvosa in book three, right? We're dealing with wh- who is the Seneschal, uh, who is, uh, who is, uh, what is the Seneschal's role in the security of the city? Yeah, uh, what, what is- duties does the monarch have? How, how there are checks and balances in this system, yeah, and so I really wanted to get into all that. So, but rather than just sitting here and reading off, uh, these are the rules of the government of Kormosa. <laughs> I was like, we need to give you like a personal connection to this.
1: Didn't you also supply me with a flow chart at some point? I
0: believe I did. <laughs> uh, I definitely made a flowchart. Uh, did I give that to you?
1: I think you might have shared it with me, yeah. uh, with some things redacted. <laughs>
0: I really did. Yes, um, I did. I did do a how a bill becomes a law sort of thing yes, in Kormosa. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, most of this
1: was like focusing on okay. getting Kester back. Yeah, yeah. And so there was getting Kester back, uh, yes. and then we also dealt with Ophelia. Like, so this was the first time there was a month since Ophelia became a were-rat. Oh right. Yeah. Um, and so there's the there's some bits in here with us like buying the cages from the uh, the werewolf guy. <laughs> um, gosh, what that that guy was. A, that NPC, did Brame you just? Johnson? Yes, Brad uh, Johnson. And,
0: and, if they have an English-sounding name, I probably made him up on the spot. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it was
1: it was very it was very good. Um, and then just Ophelia getting out was not expected. Yeah, um, and kind of scary. <laughs> Ophelia waking up uh, in an alley with like feathers in her mouth and none of her equipment <laughs> yes um, was funny but also kind of horrifying thank goodness for shadow shroud she's just like oh I'm not wearing anything <laughs>
0: yes um but yeah we start, we sort of started getting into like what it's like to be a were-rat uh, and mm. uh, this is not a thing that we ever explored fully but I did kind of want to get into the idea of lycanthropy being like a a manageable condition rather than, mm. like, a
1: reflection that destroys your life. Like
0: You know, because yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I thought that would be an interesting story. Yeah, um, and I mean, uh, throughout
1: the rest of book three, we do a great job uh, um, yeah. managing it.
0: Yeah, such a great job that I don't believe you ever actually unwillingly turned into a were-rat.
1: No, it never <laughs> happened.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, and so we didn't uh, deal with the, the negative aspects of having the disease, but we got to deal with a lot of... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, we did, uh, no that's that's not fair we did we did deal with sort of like the social mm-hmm. stigma mm-hmm. of being a person with like philanthropy yeah right um like uh and about uh yeah. how you can get support from people who share the condition yeah. right and, and, and i think uh, that was good
1: yeah and at, um at some point we do go talk to aries yellow eyes yes. again um We'll talk about that later. We can talk about it now. Okay. <laughs> oh, well, no, I'm, but I mean, like, the whole context of us visiting Ares', Ares Yellow Eyes is stuff from later in the season. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, it's 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 interesting stuff. Uh, some of the things that happened to Ophelia. It, I also thought it was a really good way to um, um, give Ophelia and Damien... Uh, a little bit of a chance to do their friend thing again because we oh, you yeah. know we established uh early on that Ophelia and Damien were friends before the adventure started Ophelia yeah. sort of being this uh socialite um and Damien uh, is the socialite who didn't like super enjoy socializing uh-huh. uh who was very good at it, but it wasn't really like her cup of tea. Uh, And Damien, of course, being terrible at socializing, but being, um, you know, this sort of... Uh, politically or socially minded um, individual who wants to try to rub elbows with the right people yeah. um, and get involved with the right kinds of groups. To get funding. And, yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and to convince like high up people in Corvosa to do things to affect social change um, and how Ophelia and Damien uh, sort of were friends beforehand. And Damien was the only person who knew that, um, that Ophelia was a mermaid um, or a merfolk rather, um, which was revealed in book two. Um, And uh, so it was nice to give them a little bit of uh, together friend time, um, Mm -hmm. whereas, you know, Ophelia interacting with Damien, uh, we're rat Ophelia interacting with Damien. (laughs) Squeak, squeak. (laughs) (laughs) Squeak, squeak.
0: (laughs) Uh, uh, But yeah, like, you know, it's one of those things that as the party has become like a much tighter knit group, Uh, you know, we have less and less of that, but like, I think it's really nice to get the opportunity to see people who have known each other for a bit longer uh, interacting like that. Um, On to 44. Yeah. Um, So of course with 44, we, uh, with 43 and 44, we had this kind of like weird timescale thing where 43, we had sort of the big picture version of the time between books. But then in 44, we went back. uh, In 44, we like went back and kind of did like a day-by-day kind of thing. Uh, And luckily, this time, we were able to have Elizabeth Wilcox of Dimension Door uh, come in to play Zalara as Miranda. Oh, she did such a good job. Which I was really thankful for because the previous books... Uh, when I was doing the harrowing, I was, it was just like a mess of me looking shit up and I was like,
2: <laughs> ah! and I was always, I was
0: always worried that like, it would be like, oh, well you interpreted the harrow that way because you know what's going to happen in the books. Um, so what I did was I, I reached out to Elizabeth because she plays harrower, uh, in Dimension Door. And I was like, Hey, do you want to come on our show and like do this? It'd be a cool. Cross promotion thing. Cause we love their show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And uh, we, uh, I believe you went on their show.
1: Oh, no, you went on. No, their I went on.
0: Yeah. Uh, I went on to be the, oh, uh, that was much later. Yeah. I went on to be the um, <clears> the <throat> guy in the circus on Severed Fate. Yes. Yes, that was cool. Uh, but anyway, um, like she came on and sh- her harrowing was really good. <laughs> it was
1: It was amazing.
0: Um, I liked the way that she was able to, basically she was able to bring like a lot more uh interpretation into the harrowing rather than just like this is this card it means this um and uh it was very important to me to have like a, a harrowing that really presaged uh the intrigue that was going to be part of yeah. uh, book 3 um one of, the, one of the things that happens a lot of times in these adventures is you know you have the overarching theme of the adventure path but then each book is usually like a different way of approaching that kind of story um like book book one uh is mostly about like uh mostly about like crime and uh and anarchy and stuff like that and tracking down people who are responsible for crimes then book two is more like a. Uh, is more like a.
1: It, it's kind of like an episode of House. It's kind of like an episode of House. <laughs>
0: um, it's it's also like like rather than like your your beat cop kind of thing, it's it's more like your your detectives now and like yeah, oh, it's like investigative uh, investigative process and uh, also you know being a plague story. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but then book three, I've always said, is is like when you're spies,
2: uh,
1: right?
0: Like um, this is the
1: spy game spy time good stuff um i really liked uh the harrowing there was a lot of stuff there that was extremely portentous uh in the suit of intelligence um, um we, we had damien drew the joke again this is not the, this is not the first time damien has drawn the joke and uh reader it will not be the last
0: nope <laughs> I look magnetically attached to that card
1: uh. Um. But yeah. But uh. There's 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 a lot of I. If you go back and listen to any part of the season, I recommend going back and listening to the harrowing because I can't uh yes. properly relate uh, all of the like cool uh weird connections that showed up uh when Elizabeth drew those cards for us uh yes um but Hold on,
0: one second cats and cats. Sorry, cat thing's resolved.
1: <laughs>
0: we have separated the cats. Yes.
1: Um, And after we did the harrowing, we did sort of a training montage to yes. get ready for our infiltration into Citadel Vraid to rescue Kester from the Order of the Nail. Yes. Um, That was fun. Yes. <laughs> uh,
0: and then uh, just to sort of big picture the next couple episodes, then we had our infiltration into uh, uh, into, uh, Citadel Vraid, where we went to Citadel Vraid, uh, to rescue Kester. Uh, we had like the super cool uh, planning uh, in '44, and then the execution of it uh, in '45 and '46. And
1: sort of the uh, the stumbling through the plan, the changing of the plan on the fly, um, a very clutch use of locate object. <laughs> uh, I used it to find. I Unia had locate object prepped. Um, I used it to find Kester's crayons uh and we use that to figure out where Kester was um something that I wanted to talk about from the infiltration um as well was just um in order to get down into uh the basement of Citadel Vraid uh where we had figured out Kester was being held Damien used major image to make it appear that the guy in charge lictor Devree, was leading us through the dungeon uh leading to i think one of my favorite lines that i've ever delivered um which is just damien yelling in sort of a voice cracking way <laughs> all i desire is your unquestioning obedience <laughs> yes, uh, was very
0: good. um yeah a lot of the stuff that i was trying to do with um with um the entire sequence through Citadel Vraid is uh, is again, uh, flesh out the area outside of Corvosa. This uh, this information, a lot of it is coming from a book called Castles of the Inner Sea, which has the entire floor plan of Citadel Verade as well as a lot of the history that I touched on in those episodes. Um, and one of the things that uh, you'll probably notice in this book uh, and uh, going on into book four here is there's a lot more emphasis on the legacy of Corvosa as sort of an imperial province, right? And and sort of the colonizing mentality. And so one of the things that I did want to do with Citadel Vreid is like really explicitly say, hey, yeah, that's the problem here. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. um, we yeah. have
0: this. That we have this place that's literally just here to impose the will of Cheliacs in this way indirectly through the Hell Knights. yeah, uh, on Varisia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of the Hell Knight orders, uh, I believe, uh, I believe uh, the Order of the Nail is like one of the
1: one of the what, evilest, one of the worst. <laughs> I mean, they're all. Most of them are pretty evil. Yes. a lot of the time. Uh, nearly all of them are pretty evil most of the time, um, but order of the nail is especially bad uh in this kind of way yes um there was uh some stuff in, you know there's there's that, a lot of
0: but like like specifically the reason that that i'd say that they're one of the worst is that they're explicitly uh they, they concern themselves with quelling savage practices yes. and bringing the idea of civilization to the inhabitants of the wild frontier yes and so he, it's you know very very. uh very colonizing uh, yeah. aspect re-education kind yeah. of and yeah. so that's what we did right we had re-education here we had um we had uh, forced labor we had all these things uh that you know just to kind of show what the problem with chelish uh occupation is yeah. for varicia uh
1: and um another thing to note uh this doesn't have a payoff in uh in book three um, and we can delete this if you think it's, uh, Maybe. It, but, um, we'll see. Unia was called a thrall keeper here, uh, oh, yes. by one of the, um, uh, Shawanti slaves, yes. basically. It was one of the uh, first
0: times that we've had to interact with like, um, like Shawanti, uh, because, you know, uh, Shawanti being the, uh, indigenous peoples of, uh, the Corvosa general area they've been driven from the land first into the hinterlands and then into the Storval plateau um and one of the things that i wanted to do uh here is sort of like get an get an opportunity to interact with uh like members of that culture that aren't trying to smooth things over with uh corvosans like you got with thousand bones yeah
1: yeah but like
0: people that have like explicit uh, hatred of crevescence yeah, uh, for good reason. Like this yeah. guy was uh, this guy was cleaning a bridge where they had a Force perspective art installation commemorating the death of one of their great heroes, right? Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah, no, it was, uh, it was fucked up.
0: And and uh, so we we sort of got into uh, a little bit of culture there. Mm-hmm. Also, it's because. Uh, book four, we are going to be getting more into Schwanti culture, and so I wanted to get like a little seed of it. It's
1: also always good to uh, have Unia who is sort of, um, you know, contending with their legacy as one of the last worshipers of really the god of colonialism, yes, um, and and sort of how that, uh, how Aridin's legacy. Um, in the form of the, you know, the the push, uh, the the col- the colonial push into Varizia and into Chelyax, and then the legacy of Chelyax itself, uh, and all of the ways that Cheliax has negatively affected its neighbors. Um, Unia sort of having to contend with their view of Aridan as this guy who's always looking out for the humans and making sure that humans and humanity have a meaningful foothold. Uh, on Galarian and are, you know, have a place in history and have a place, you know, uh, and are able to thrive and things like yes. that. And looking at how everybody around them uh, who believes in those sorts of things has taken that as an excuse that uh, to push for the quote-unquote best for their faction uh, of humanity this, this,
0: this we will get into in light yes, Us. <laughs>
1: yes yes
0: yes uh, but, but we did sort of introduce the idea uh, of confronting Unia on these issues
2: yes kind of here yes
0: um but we we went into the dungeon we uh we freed kester we yes. got to see that kester has been uh, forced to draw images of some kind of blue dragon mm-hmm. uh, and artifacts that seem to be tied to that blue dragon uh-huh. through chains, which of course becomes kind of the overarching theme of uh, of the book, uh-huh. right? Is finding out what this blue dragon is uh, and uh, what the what the artifacts are and their significance. Yeah, yeah. Um, we also had a lovely fight with uh, Signifier Strickland, uh, a mm-hmm. villain that I that I uh, completely created myself. Just being like, what would be a, a really cool villain to add to this? Uh, and yeah. um, I, I, I've wanted a Hell Knight villain uh, ever since I first read Curse of the Crimson Throne. And they, I, interestingly, there are no Hell Knight villains. You never explicitly fight the Hell Knights uh-huh. in the books of Curse of the Crimson Throne. Yeah. So I was like, oh, prime opportunity, make a villain who is a Hell Knight. Yeah. Uh, and so that's uh, who I added here. Um, uh, I'll talk about this later. When we get into book four, there is actually a character that I replaced uh, I with, with Strickland. Uh, I love
1: Strickland. I hate yes. him. He's awful. He's amazing. Yeah. Uh, um, and so that's that's
0: the Hell Knight Citadel. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got back from the Hell Knight Citadel to realize that uh, things in Corvosa are, are not
2: quite that well off. <laughs>
0: Uh, In fact, one of the artifacts that we just uh, saw in the drawings is now sitting on Iliosa's head. Yep. She had this lovely sequence in which she decided that she was going to basically clean house for people who were not loyal to her. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she was going to uh, remove Marcus Endrin uh, from power as Seneschal.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, Or
0: rather, Cressida appointed... Marcus Endred as Seneschal, but she then said, oh, no, 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 you can't appoint him. I already appointed my own Seneschal, which is against the charter of Corvosa, uh-huh. and so that, you know, raised a few uh, eyebrows, but most importantly, uh, it, it was the first time that I think has ever been in direct opposition to Iliosa. Mm-hmm. Uh, and
1: Besides the stuff that, you know, she's done through us. Well, yeah, I mean, direct, <laughs> direct opposition. Yes. Like, like,
0: publicly say i appoint marcus Endrin, uh, and then iliosa go no you don't
1: yes can't do yeah. that yeah uh
0: and so then we had the lovely uh inciting incident of book three Oh my god where marcus Endrin uh goes to assassinate uh iliosa uh i i put a little bit more work into building this up in, uh-huh. the, in the you know your conversations with Endrin and stuff like that yeah in the book, this shit just happens, um, and and it's it's actually stated that you might or might not be there to witness it. Um, uh, if the full party had been around, you would not have been there. Um, yeah. But since you got Ophelia off on her own,
1: yeah, and Lenore had been turned to stone,
0: yes, uh, I was like, oh yeah, we can we can do that. Um, yes. Uh, oh, sorry, I I totally breezed over. Yeah. Lenore was turned to stone. Yeah, that by was it. The dracolisk in the dungeons. Yeah,
1: no, that was a thing that happened. Um, uh, so, uh, center uh, subbed in for a little while while we were waiting for um, uh, the Bank of Abadar to have a an opening in their appointment yes. list while, for uh, flesh to stone yeah, well, or stone while, to flesh. While rather. we waited
0: for the uh, arch banker to be available to unstone Lenore again. Uh, again. Uh, uh, well, she wasn't stoned before. No, yeah. Stoned. <laughs> um. Yeah. I- I'm sorry. I didn't mean to breeze past one of the most. Uh,
1: I cry. One of the
0: most uh, hurtful things I've done to your party. <laughs> uh,
1: like it's. The, one of the things that sucks about f- uh, Flesh to stone uh, is that um, it's hard to break um, but another thing that sucks is that I didn't realize at the time that you can break it with break enchantment uh, which unia could have prepped because they had fifth level spells at that point yeah. um, well you know
0: um, <laughs> what's what's unia's intelligence score I have eight. <laughs> yeah like if if, if uh, if Unia doesn't think of something, you know.
1: Yeah. They've got kind of a intelligence. <laughs> Uh yeah. They are uh setting their ways. Yep. Uh, oh. and they've never really cast break enchantment for anything. Yes. So it didn't occur to them. Yeah.
0: So uh, we 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 tried to assassinate Iliosa, but she shrugged it off. She she in died. One of, in
1: one of the most badass
0: sequences. Yeah. Uh, she died, but then she got back up and stabbed Marcus Endrin uh in the in the bottom of the jaw with, with the arrow. Yeah. Uh, and declared that uh, this is what I'm gonna do to all my enemies from this point on.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think we can quite overstate just how much Marcus Endrin overkilled her. Oh
2: yeah. <laughs> um.
1: So so much. Yeah. This is so. Lots. This is one of the
0: cases where, uh, I sort of I sort of uh take time to, uh, embellish on what the book says. Like the book says, oh, he shoots her with a bow and she dies. And I was like, I was like. Uh, okay, this piece of prose has not played Pathfinder. Uh, <laughs> like the what is required in order to kill somebody in one round uh, is quite a lot, mm. and so that's why I took the time to build up. Oh, we're we're the uh, Sable Company. We use these uh, we use these named bullet arrows when we want to assassinate somebody so that we can do it in one shot. Also, yeah. bows have a times three crit modifier. Uh, and then I can describe it as ah, it's a critical hit. And when you crit with a named bullet, you get extra damage as well. Uh, and so I had him crit twice. Uh, it's one of those times where, for narrative purposes, you can just say that happened. <laughs> uh, and it has happened to me a few times. Uh, famously, I had a triple crit, I believe, in our Kingmaker game. Yep. Like, uh, and I think I did, what was it?
1: 180 like, damage? It was something absolutely ridiculous.
0: It was at a comparable level to this. Actually yeah. it was a lower level. Uh, but but like, I was like, ah, yeah, like it's totally possible to put out hundreds of damage in a round yeah. uh, at this level. And I was like, let's explain why he's able to kill her in one round. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I also sort of showed off some of his feats and the way that he fought. Uh, but the important part is he killed her and she came uh, back. and she came right back uh, and then we are back into uh anarchy for a while
1: yeah uh, <laughs> um, and th- something disturbing to me uh Togamore the new seneschal um notably the guy who uh, made our uh our nice fancy dress yes. for um for the gala for the gala way back in the um, one shoved endrin's dead body into a bag of holding yes and everybody pretended like it hadn't happened i mean him shoving the body into the bag of holding yes Uh, (laughs) Uh, and i was like oh shit (laughs)
2: uh
0: uh, this is this is also um one of one of the things uh that i that i do really like uh uh, just to touch on before we move on is uh, when I when I'm doing the episode titles, I always like to have something that has like a specific resonance. Uh, and this one is a dish fit for the gods. Oh yes. Uh, I actually talked to my cousin who is uh, a Juilliard uh, graduate actress. Like, hey, what would be a good like Shakespearean line to uh, to like bring in here? And so uh-huh. we will carve we will carve him as a dish fit for the gods. Uh, when re- referring to how they're going to assassinate Julius Caesar, and no. it's like, oh, it's going to be like a, it's going to be like a glorious event, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like like we it's this, is, this isn't going to be like one of those baser assassinations. <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be a, a beautiful assassination. Uh, well, it, it turned out that this was not a beautiful assassination. No. <laughs> um,
1: the title being ironic in some
2: way. Yeah. What? what? <laughs> uh,
0: and then this launched us into sort of a search for information where we actually got to do what i was talking about earlier which is uh looking into the power structures of corvosa uh through the Peerage review and uh uh actually mostly just through Peerage review mm-hmm. I, think, I believe we had a little bit in lady of infinite zest uh yeah. but uh in Peerage review we're like okay how was iliosa able to appoint her own seneschal because that's not what the charter of Corvosa says she's supposed to be able to do. Yes. Uh, and so we get into that. Well, oh, well, if the if the Peerage Review, which is a council of five powerful families in Corvosa, say, oh yeah, that's fine, then we can do a charter amendment. Uh, which basically we we got that Iliosa during Bloodveil went to the Peerage Review and was like, oh no, I need a seneschal. I'm not safe. <laughs> Can I appoint one? And we got that, you know, you needed a unanimous decision by those families. And at first they did not agree to it. Uh, I believe we had um we had we had uh disagreements from House Arcona and uh House uh Ornellos. Uh and so we went to first we went to a few of the other families, which are Zenderholm. Uh and Jagare, and I believe there's also uh Lerang is the fifth house. We didn't go to Larong, but we went basically to House Jagare, who run the Museum of Corvosa, and we went to uh House Zenderholm, uh Zenobia Zenderholm specifically, who who is the head arbiter uh for the the uh, courts of Corvosa. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. basically the she's the the leader of the Supreme Court. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that, oh man, that was a fun oh, uh, bit of tension there. Oh uh, boy.
1: Like, um, I feel like it was a really good opportunity um, for Center to, you know, who's been presented mostly as like a very competent um, infiltrator... Uh, mm-hmm. Very good at lying, very good at making people trust her, making bad people trust her um, to meet her match.
0: Yeah, uh, <laughs> Yeah. We, to... we go to Zen- like Zenobia Zenderholm to basically be like, oh, we're going to sneakily get information out of you. Uh, and like she, uh, like midway through it, just goes, no, I know what kind of people you are. I know what you're doing right now. And I also know the narrative we're going to use to bring you down,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know? Uh, and that, like, that was, it was so fun to play. Um, but like, you know, yeah, it was, it was, it was really neat. Like having center, like give her best performance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then just have this person who's like,
1: no. Yeah. Uh, and just having center flounder a little bit as well as, nothing she said to Zenobia was getting any purchase Mm -hmm. uh, was, it was, it was really good. I don't get to play my characters screwing up like that very often. You know, my characters, uh, they, they screw up due to bad dice rolls and stuff all the Mm -hmm. time. uh, But to have them, you know, go into something that they're ostensibly really proficient at Mm -hmm. uh, and something that we've seen them succeed at before in a really uh, interesting way. Like we had uh, a center infiltrate the, um, uh, ergathon cults mm-hmm. really successfully uh, in book two um so to see her fail here and then just to uh, turn the act off like a switch and say you know um I think that what Marcus Endrin did was foolish but his heart was in the right place mm-hmm. um was that was fun uh that was that I really enjoyed that whole scene um yeah uh,
0: and then uh, sort of uh, in the, uh, in the in the other hand of this, we also dealt with uh, Merciful Jagare.
1: who's wonderful,
0: who well, <laughs> who who is affable yes. and and uh, friendly and like uh, other synonyms, uh, it, <laughs> uh, but also is perpetuating this legacy of colonialism and m- like murder. Oh yes, um, like I, I think it was really it was really neat doing the. Uh, Citadel of Raid stuff first, uh-huh. and then coming to a museum where we put on all the trophies that we've collected over the years. Oh, so, yeah! And we have the like Gary Sinise narrated, uh, <laughs> like this is the this is the history of of Corvosa and our heroic founding fathers. Right. And you know, meanwhile, uh, we no have, offense to Gary Sinise, but <laughs> and, and
1: meanwhile we have you know uh, a a corpse. Yeah. Just. Uh, of, just a of, one of the, sitting there. one of the defeated shawanti leaders just here it's mm-hmm. just here on display
0: yeah uh, uh, and and uh you had you had your lovely conversation with merciful
1: yes I didn't mean merciful's knight, like, like a good person I meant merciful's a delight <laughs>
0: yes uh and yeah that's fine that's fine like um the the sort of one of the one of the pieces of reckoning that you have to deal with in a good uh colonist Legacy is some of the people are really nice now and oh I can't be mad at them they, they, like like especially in merciful's case merciful just cares about history right yeah, it's like
1: they they just like to make sure that everything is preserved yeah
0: specifically the the uh the legacy of my family and how good my family is
1: yeah you know there's a there's a river named after me yep right there. Yes. Full of shit. It's
0: full of shit, just <laughs> like me. Um, but yeah, we sort of get like like different sides to the politics of Corvosa. One being the cold, calculating side with Zenobia, and we also get the uh, polite, uh, you know, vapid side uh, through Merciful. Yeah. Uh, we did not go to House Lerong because during the time looking through the uh, archives here, we did find uh a connection to the blue dragon.
1: Yes. Uh, uh this was very this was very fun. Um Mercival uh had uh was was uh, preparing a new acquisition for display at the museum. Uh it was a piece of uh stone. Yes. Like a like a, some sort of sort uh, of like
0: a Rosetta stone r- yeah. style thing where there's there's just a warning on this piece of stone.
1: <laughs> uh, and uh, do you want to talk a little bit about the warning and your yes. thoughts? Your, um, your, your I, I
0: basically, I, I, I had a stone that, that uh, was contributed, oh, just to get oh, your goodwill. Wow. Uh, and and uh, it, it's basically, it was it, it literally the nuclear warning. That you put up in places where radio or, or nuclear waste is buried, um, but with sort of uh, the the thing being warned about being a evil artifact that will corrupt your minds, <laughs> uh, and and um you in, in exploring this artif this this uh this sort of Rosetta Stone thing, uh you guys got access to the archives. You found out that oh one of the things that they're not telling people is that parts of this uh parts of this monolith uh had old Taldon writing yeah uh and that they were that they're sort of bearing that part a little bit because it conflicts with the narrative of oh we came to Corvosa uh with uh with like uh Jack Theon Corvosa and Montlarian Jagare mm-hmm. uh be bold settlers in a wild land, right? This this basically said that about a thousand years ago, which would have been I think 600 years before them, mm-hmm. uh, there was somebody in this region who spoke the old version of Taldane, uh, who wrote who helped to write this with the Shawanti. Mm-hmm. Uh mm-hmm. and uh, we dug through, uh, we dug through their archives, basically trying to find any connection to anything else. And it took you several days, mm-hmm. but you did find, uh, a connection to a blue dragon, uh, in the form of a art exhibit Yes. by, uh,
1: Salvatore Scream, yes, Salvatore
0: Scream, a, uh, a, and conflicted uh, and uh, disturbed artist. Uh, you <laughs> yeah. know, I, I definitely wanted to lean into the kind of purple prose of, or blue prose in this case, uh, <laughs> of, of uh, how we talk about artists.
1: Yeah. Tortured even. Yes. Um,
0: and, you know, oh, well, he has to be tortured to create beautiful art. It's like, okay. Yeah. Cool.
2: Uh, <laughs> um,
0: but, yeah. Uh, and so, following on that we actually got to get into Old Corvosa, a place that has still been quarantined off since the beginning of Bloodveil. Vale. Uh, specifically, it was it was extra quarantined by burning all the bridges yep. that go into uh, <laughs> Old Corvosa, uh, and we got to deal with
1: uh, me. sneaking in.
0: Yes, sneaking in.
1: So uh, yeah, we we learned that. If you go through the one remaining bridge into Old Corvosa, they're like, "You can go through, but you can't come back," yes. because Bloodveil is still here. And we're like, "But, but we can cure Bloodveil if we just talk to there." Yep, Bloodveil, you can't leave. Uh, it's so, like
0: extra Bloodveil in here.
1: Yeah, super, super, super Bloodveil. Bloodveil yeah. It's the type of Bloodveil that poor people get.
0: <laughs> yeah. Should <laughs> you said this the quiet part out loud?
2: <laughs>
1: um and so the gray maidens are guarding that uh that bridge Mm uh so we snuck through the sewers there are some sewer lines very deep that go underneath um the saint alika waterway um Mm -hmm. and uh we got jumped by yep. some invisible uh, bandits who really kicked our asses for like the yes. first round of combat. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, and then we uh, we got the upper hand and uh, beat them up. Uh, and then we made our way to uh, Endren Isle where we met a friend. We did not find Salvatore Scream at his house.
0: No, but we did, we find, did find a very else. bubbly elf lady. Uh... Everybody's favorite character from Curse of the Crimson Throne, mine certainly. Mm. Uh, Lowry Voss, an agent uh, of Nadal, who's here <laughs> investigating the dragon as well. She's collected the skulls of all these other <laughs> artists that also had visions of uh, of this dragon and has been trying to question the tongueless, mouthless skulls.
1: Yes, uh, <laughs> Lowry, not the brightest. Uh, <laughs> I,
0: I, I really love bringing in Lowry because, uh, you know, we have this depiction of Zonkuthanism as uh, Zonkuthan being, of course, the god of darkness and pain and torture, very much like the Hellraiser god uh, yes. in the Pathfinder, like pretty explicitly the Hellraiser yeah, god, yeah. Uh, and uh, sort of sort of being a god of of granting power to those willing to submit mm-hmm. to. His designs and you know, it sort of provokes a certain aesthetic, you know, yeah. kind of like a goth uh, uh, the, the
1: sort of the the extremely, um, uh, we'll say, um, emotionally blunted, yeah, um, sexy, yeah, uh, covered in you know, piercings and Greater chains, and, away. <laughs> yes, yeah, uh, and sort of, yeah, in sort of the um, Cenobite kind of way yes. where it's like we are so separate from regular. Human experience at this point that we, our minds might as well be alien.
0: Yeah. And, and in contrast, you have Lowry, who's basically like the mean girl cheerleader, <laughs> uh, who is like always like negging people. And, and, um, and it was important to me to have somebody who is the same alignment and does commune with this god and does get answers from this god, but whose way of doing it is way outside what the normal accepted practices suggest you should do. Yeah. And everyone I ever talked to loves Lowry.
1: Oh my God. Also, um, you're just your your performance of Lowry is just so good. I,
0: I, I had to make sure that <laughs> I gave her her due because oh everybody loves Lowry so much. And any time anybody's ever run this adventure, like what everybody talks about is how much they like Lowry. Uh in fact we we had a question from one of one of uh one of our listeners uh Alex Chilver uh previously one of the winners of a contest uh asking when when Lowry would be back and I was like I'm sorry Lowry's not going to be back for like a little bit but just, uh, don't worry Alex we will we will get to Lowry uh not soon but we will get to her uh, uh but like but like um I wanted to make sure that I did her justice uh, yeah. because everybody loves this character so much when they read the books or yeah. play the adventure.
1: I loved uh, her playing off Ophelia, mm-hmm. who is sort of like, we'll say, like, Ophelia's social identity is very much sort of the nice girl cheerleader. Like, yes. I'm very popular, I'm bubbly, I, I always seem positive. You're... And so, like, having sort of like the cheerleader catfight kind of vibes oh, yeah. going on there was very fun. Yes. Uh, and then also, Sinter, um being totally aware that Lowry is not being upfront about why she is here and yes. what she wants to find. And just having like this kind of circuitous conversation around the issue with uh, Lowry in the middle of the night as we were sort of keeping watch uh, was also very good. Since are yeah. having a little bit of a conversation about Kuthism uh, 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 and um, yeah. Things like that. We'll uh, yeah,
0: again. And it was it was it was really neat uh, for me in the sense that uh, again, this is the book that uh, is more like the spy, the spy mm-hmm. game one, mm-hmm. and so Lowry is also like explicitly uh, a spy from another country,
2: <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> like like coming into your town to get information about your town, which could you know potentially destabilize you, uh, but you don't really know why she's here, and mm-hmm. and I think it was really neat having the more Espionage-oriented character in center, like come into basically uh, after after being bested by uh, by Zenobia Zenderholm to uh-huh. reassert her uh, proficiency here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was really good.
1: Yeah, I love Center. Center uh, is very fun, um, and so we we had our sleepover. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> uh, <laughs> And, um, you know, filled with uh, such um, wonderful things as um, Lowry making the skull that wasn't talking to her face the wall because, quote, she was kind of a bitch Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, and doing blood biography on a bit of blood that uh, Salvatore Scream had left behind on a pillow um, before Lowry went to sleep on said pillow. Uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, and you did get from this information that uh that uh um shit uh, that what's the guy's fucking the, name? The
1: the emperor of, Corvo- of old Corvosa, no, what, old
0: Swastle. has Salvatore's scream. Sorry, I was I was trying to think of Salvatore's fucking name.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes. Sorry.
0: Uh, yeah. Sorry, there's so many characters. In there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and.
1: We went uh, the next day with Lowry Lowry. to see this uh, guy who self-styled, the self-styled emperor of Old Corvosa, uh, the former leader of the exemplary execrables. Yes, Uh
0: (laughs) beautifully, beautifully brought to life by our one of our one of our dearest uh, friends and collaborators in this process. Uh, Mr. Philip Melvin, Philip Melvin! Uh, who came in uh, across many time zones to to record with us, uh, and just totally crushed it. Yeah. As Swastel this like like petty tyrant uh, of uh, of Old Dock, yeah. Basically, a guy who's like climbed to the top of a, of a bunch of tenement buildings and gone, I am the emperor. Yeah. Uh, and you know, a guy who, excuse me. A guy who in like polite society was sort of seen as just kind of a kind of shitty theater owner. Yeah. Um, but now that Corvo, that, that, um, Entrenile has been isolated. He's like, oh, now I'm in charge <laughs> because suddenly he's like one of the most charismatic people on yeah <laughs>
1: and also one of the meanest bullies. Oh, yeah. Uh, And so we went and we talked to uh, Pilts, and Pilts said, yes, I do have Salvatore Scream. He has been making art for me. He is my artist in residence (laughs) by force. Yes. Uh, (laughs) And if you want to talk to him, you'll have to entertain me. So get into that arena there and play some Blood Pig.
0: Yes, and so you played Blood Pig for a chance to talk to uh for a chance to talk to uh salvatore and um i I, I do have to say like this is this is like one of one of my favorite segments like not just uh because philip was great but just sort of the the themes going on here Mm -hmm. um like one of my favorite shows uh, in recent memory was the marco polo show that was on uh that was on netflix Mm -hmm. in which it follows marco polo being, uh, being, uh, a, a, uh, prisoner of, uh, of Kublai Khan, uh, but being, you know, sort of, like, like, in the way that, that you keep, uh, state prisoners, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, in that, you, you know, you don't, you don't throw them in a jail cell and, and be like, ah, oh, like, here's your three meals a day, or whatever, it's like, no, you, you give them nice clothes, you give them what they want, right? You could mm-hmm. even give them weapons and like train them to fight for you, right? But they, like, yeah. like, importantly, the only rule is you can't leave. Yeah. Right? Uh, and, and, uh, and 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 like, just having the gross misinterpretation of that kind of political <laughs> prisoner situation <laughs> through Pilt Swastle being like, oh yes, uh, I have brought him into my court, and he sits in this room with boarded-up windows <laughs> uh, painting for me. <laughs> uh, like I, I really liked kind of uh, sort of a like, carnival-esque mm-hmm. uh, relationship to authority that you get in this book, like where, uh, yes, I've named myself emperor, and now I rule over all of the slums that I can see. <laughs>
1: right. Uh, and I'm up in the highest one so that I can see all of the other ones.
0: Yeah, we've 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 put down we've we've connected the buildings of these tenement buildings with little bridges and now it's a castle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh and and you won your blood pick game.
1: We did after uh what was in game, uh, maybe a minute and a half. Uh and what yeah. was in real life about six hours. Yeah, it was a long <laughs> fucking record.
0: Uh three episodes to do this. Uh I was really worried that it wouldn't translate to audio very well, but thankfully Philip just so fucking good oh at maintaining the energy. Incredible. Um like, and, we,
1: we talked to him after I was like, how how much experience do you have with like tabletop RPGs or like improv? He was like none (laughs) we're like what (laughs) well you clearly have a talent for it my god
0: there's also the guy also just happens to put out music that's thematically exactly what we've been looking for almost always like the week before episode airs yeah we're like
1: "Mm, what should we have for this episode we're putting it together and then it's like oh philip has a new thing holy shit
0: yeah and um yeah it was really great to have him on the show Um, He played Pilt so fucking well. Oh my god! Uh, We had our botched suicide attempt.
1: uh, Oh yeah, that the botched suicide.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The botched suicide attempt at the end of this. Yeah, that uh, was
1: because of a role on the Rod of Wonder, wasn't it?
0: I believe so. Yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah. uh, Specifically, what he was gonna say was a result of one of the roles on the on the Rod of Wonder. Uh, Ah. I, I just for the botched suicide, I just asked him to do a coup de grace on himself. Uh, and and he did not succeed in killing himself uh, and so uh then you guys left
1: the, the the yeah the uh the poem the screaming of Rosebud yes. completely extemporaneous, totally improv by Philip on the spot
0: yeah the the uh, the requirement from the deck of uh or no, from the from the uh, from the wild magic table uh was was that his last word had to be rosebud Ah. Uh- <laughs> uh, and so he prepared this this monologue for us uh, while we were playing Blood Pig. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and then delivered it uh, before failing to die.
1: <laughs> it was amazing. Yes. Uh, my party at the at that time not particularly good at Blood Pig because uh, a lot of us needed magic and stuff to bring our base attack bonus up to. A uh, full base attack bonus yes uh, we didn't actually have anybody in the party at that time with a full base attack bonus nope because lenore was turned to stone nor was still stone <laughs> so we 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 struggled a little bit but we did manage to succeed through uh we'll say superior tactics and uh some blatant rule <laughs> violations
0: <laughs> the, the rules were like the loosest possible interpretation of rules yeah. Uh, that we you did, can have.
1: We did cast Webb after he said no magic, so... You did. Um, but, but, I mean, ultimately, the penalty was
0: just the other team gets a point. Yeah. So, it it's, you know, it's like a gambit, you know, yeah. like sacrificing a pawn in chess. Yeah. Uh, except was... much less dignified.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Damien? Dignity? Where? Yes. Uh,
0: and then... Let's see. So, so then we, we both Dimension Doored and Shadow Walked
1: out. Oh, yeah. So we got, so um. Uh, mm. P- uh, Pilts brought Salvatore up and it was clear that Salvatore was both being imprisoned against his will and wasn't going to say anything about why he was imprisoned or what was going on while Pilz was in the room. Mm-hmm. Pilts did not let us leave to go talk to Salvatore, like correctly twigging onto the fact that we were just going to take Salvatore and run. So what we did was we took Salvatore and ran. Uh, yep. <laughs> uh, nearly dying in the process. Uh, again, uh, we had forgotten that we were allowed to keep our weapons uh, due mm-hmm. to the fact that the game took like 10 fucking hours. Yeah, um, yeah. And, we were doing uh, it for a while. <laughs> and... Uh, but we did manage to escape by dimension dooring and shadow walking. Dimension dooring from Damien, shadow walking from Lowry, uh, and we made our way back to Lenore's house. Yes. With Salvatore. Yes.
0: Um, and uh, then we got to uh, deal with Salvatore being quite traumatized by this whole affair. Oh, God, yes. Um, and, like, dealing with sort of the fallout of his emotional state uh, in this time.
1: Yeah. Um, his emotional state during this time. Bad. Yeah, bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, not only was he traumatized by what had happened with Piltz, but he was also like very disturbed.
0: Yeah, by- he became pre-traumatized by the visions of this blue dragon peeling off Uh, or rather a a guy peeling off his skin to reveal a blue dragon beneath. Yeah. Um, Piles of bodies. Piles of bodies. Deserts where the sand is. Skulls. uh, Like all this kind of shit that um, like really just fucked with him a lot. Yeah. Uh, And um, you sort of had your time trying to coax the information out of him. Uh, You did eventually get that he has had these visions for a long time. He stopped receiving them. Uh... I believe we placed it time wise around when uh the events of the book kind of kicked off
1: uh, yeah about when uh when King Andrewre died yeah
0: or uh, rather like slightly before that yeah like to the tune of a couple weeks yeah um but we started to establish this timeline uh, we also um we also in our interrogations of Salvatore scream learned that he had uh hosted Neolandis Calipopolis, the Cetachal of, of Corvosa, uh, in his house, uh, as the guy was recovering from some kind of poison, uh, yes. attack. Mm. Uh, and that after, like, after he'd, uh, after he'd kept him for a little bit, he gave him to the Arconas.
1: Yeah, the Arconas, who he knew because he had been commissioned to do some work for them. Yes. Uh, and, of course, because the Arconas, uh, being um, the closest thing that old Corvosa has to royalty, um, we're what? very. They have a king! <laughs> <laughs> that's the whole thing. It's around to having I mean, king and queen.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. Old Corvosa has yes, royalty. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry. the sorry, closest sorry.
1: thing. Old Corvosa has to royalty. <laughs> I'm sorry. When you said they have a king, I thought you were referring to Peltz. <laughs> Excuse?
0: Excuse you? me. Put some respect on his name.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> you dare. <laughs> But yes, the Arconas um, being the closest thing Old Corvosa has to royalty, sort of having their own little palace uh, and their own uh, bit of land that they have, you know, sort of uh, cordoned off. Uh, Also very interested in making sure that they uh, make themselves aware of and uh, uh, patronize, uh, that's the word I'm looking for, um, artists. Uh, so but the right way, not, yeah, the,
0: the, ra- not the not the um,
1: yes, yes, <laughs> not the uh, not the imprison them and imprison make them, them pay them for you kind of way.
0: Shit in a bucket way.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, and so yeah, so we sent Niallannis off to the Arconas, uh, and our only awareness of the Arconas at that point was that Malia Arcona had been involved in the uh, all the world's meat scandal. Yes, uh, and that the way Ar- back in book one. Yeah, back way back in book one. Uh, and that the Arconas had sold the warehouse beneath which the uh, uh, Ergothon cults had made their uh, their base, mm-hmm. uh, the building that became the Hospice of the Blessed Maiden, mm-hmm. um, which was in book two. So uh, our our uh, impression of the Arconas at that point not super good. Nope. Uh, so we were concerned by this revelation, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> along with the fact that. Um, uh, our friend um, uh, Ven Carlo Orsini had said he was going up to Endron Isle, uh, and that we should wait two weeks before following. Uh, and that he hadn't gotten back to us. Um, yes. Uh, he said he was going to uh, look. I, did he say he was going to look for the Seneschal? He,
0: I believe, he said that he had some information he needed to gather himself mm. in Old Corvosa. Uh, I think did he say? I don't remember if he said that he's going to the Arconas. I think basically.
1: I think we inferred that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but either way,
0: um, yeah, he went looking for Neolandis about like uh, slightly before all this is going on, and wanted two weeks to deal with yeah. it. And we
1: we're like, <laughs> well, um, it's not quite been two weeks yet. We'll give him the remainder. Uh,
0: yeah, it just happened to coincide with about the amount of time you needed for Lenore to get uh, turned back. Uh, from stone, to, so to you know, we uh, we we uh, we decided oh, yeah, we'll, we'll just wait. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and you know, you guys recuperated a little yeah. bit. We
1: we had some tension with Lowry over who gets to ask questions, yes. Uh, and then we moved Salvatore down to our safe house in the gray district, which Lowry was not allowed into. Uh, and yes. she left uh, by Lowry, yes, bye. Uh, sinking <laughs> into the
0: shadows and disappearing to the doll.
1: Yes, uh, goodbye, Lowry. Yeah. We will never see her again. Oh, we'll
2: see her. You'll we'll we'll see,
1: see, see. No, Alex, we will see her again. I've, I've got you in mind, Alex. We will see Lowry. Again.
0: Um. <laughs> uh, as of our recording times, we yeah. have seen. Her.
1: We have. But,
0: ooh, that's pretty far off in the future.
1: <laughs> um,
0: so then we get into. So uh, yeah,
1: when when the was turned back into a person rather yes. than being a statue, yes. uh, she wanted to go and look for um her little otug friend portobello Mm -hmm. um who at the end of book two i believe um we had had um a visit from what we assumed were the Red Mantis assassins yeah. uh, doing pest control in our yeah. building.
0: They left the, the assault tooth saber embedded in your. They did. Your it's, table. It was not. So it, was it was not
1: the most subtle of cards. It was a threat. Cards.
0: Like it yes. was a threat.
1: Yes. Uh, uh, and so we went to uh, try to figure out what had happened to Portobello.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, we talked to Ares Yellow Eyes um, to see, you know, if we could get some information on what might have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, that being
0: it, the uh, whereat uh, that we talked to in book two. Uh, who has been providing support for Ophelia uh, as, uh, as a new person with lycanthropy. Uh, and uh, Ares didn't have an answer for uh, where you could, you could get this information, but she did have, like, oh, next place you could look. Yes. Uh,
1: uh, she advised us to go talk to the broker below. In the which, form
0: of a riddle. Yes, she gave us sort
1: of a coded message, a riddle. <laughs> yes. That was fun to solve fun with um, maps. Yes, That's, fun with maps.
0: You know, it's rains doing Ooh, when it's fun, it's with, fun maps. with maps.
1: Uh, and so we went Big to go maps. <laughs> and so we went to go visit the broker below, mm-hmm. um, which is
0: uh um, this is a thing entirely like, of my own invention, uh being that uh, uh basically it's a information broker uh who lives in the undercity of Corvus. Well, not explicitly in the undercity, he lives in a in a demiplane in the sewers. <laughs> uh, and and like, e- either you open this manhole cover and you get into the sewers, or if you have an appointment, or you know how to get to him, you open it and, oh, here's this information broker right below the halls of law.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, more more fun with Major Image. Uh, to distract everyone while we opened up the uh, <laughs> the manhole cover, oh, Damien yes. made... <laughs> Damien made uh, Gloria Arcona, <laughs> Gloria throwing, Arcona out money. throwing money yes. on the corner.
0: <laughs> and it worked. Uh,
1: <laughs> I'm Gloria Arcona. I'm
0: giving away free giving money. giving away
1: free money. I believe throwing, the first, <laughs> throwing coins in the air.
0: The first uh, appearance, I believe, of my Matt Barry impression for Gloria Arcona. Very good. Um, anyway, um, so you talk to this information broker who... Ooh, uh, uh, this part I do like to get into a little bit of the behind the scenes stuff. I made this character because as we're transitioning out of low level play and into higher level play, one of the kind of necessary things is addressing how this location fits into the multiverse. Uh, because, you know, uh, Pathfinder exists in a multiverse that ha- or that has like multiple planes of existence. Uh, and, you know, Hell has a big influence on all things Chelish. Yep. Uh, and so I wanted to get into what is... Corvosa's relationship to hell. Uh, And so we have this information broker who basically uh, has connections in both Corvosa and Dis, uh, but doesn't reside in hell because uh, I don't believe this came out in the show. He is a lawful neutral devil,
2: uh, which is a thing that can happen in the Pathfinder
0: setting is is you can have um, outsiders who are usually explicitly tied to the to the uh, morality of their plane like devils are usually lawful and evil Um, but in some cases you can have outsiders who break with their with their uh, ideology uh, that they're supposed to uh, maintain and specifically there were a couple hints uh, in this we said that the imps are union yes Uh, so so we've we've got we've got imps here that have Uh, better advocacy for their rights as employees. (laughs) Um, Also, uh, unions are illegal in Corvosa, but because these guys... Uh, operate out of this demi plane they're not actually subject to the laws of corvosa unless somebody were to find out that they're union but the only time that they engage in union activities is when they're in the demi plane
2: <laughs> 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 otherwise
0: like to most people in corvosa there's just imps that you can you can bind to get messages delivered mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. and that's really most people's interaction with imps and then they fight with dragons, like like all the time like seagulls and seagulls uh, and crows yeah <laughs> uh and and specifically i was like uh like also this guy makes a deal with you to get information about portobello but he doesn't really ask for something un.
1: yeah he he doesn't he doesn't take our souls he doesn't yes. sign a contract for our souls or for anything like evil really he wanted well, us he, to get Think, he wanted us to get a bone of a Red Mantis Assassin. I believe there
0: is still a clause in there that it sort of follows standard hell. Uh, like, things for, oh, we might be able to claim your soul if you break the contract or something like that? Oh, yeah, if we break the contract, then yes. yes,
1: That's the penalty. Uh, But, um, it's it's not like, you know, um, now you will be forever bound to hell's service Mm -hmm. because you signed this contract. Yeah. Uh, it's, if you fuck with me, I will send you to people who are less nice. Yes.
0: (laughs) Uh. And, and, and so you made a deal with this guy to basically get the bone of a red mantis assassin to help you find portobello uh and then it was off back to old corvosa to find the red mantis
1: yeah and also to find van because yes. by then it was two weeks yeah by then it was
0: two weeks and we were like ah we should probably
1: we should probably check on that so this. we were going to go check on his fencing academy and house in old corvosa uh,
0: yes and so, with this information, uh, or, or with this mission in hand, uh, and in the interest of finding Vencarlo, you
1: went to uh, Old Corvosa. Yes, so, we slunk through the sewers again, uh, running into <laughs> some guards who we fucked with. Yes. For fun. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and
1: um and, and then it turned out they were working for Cressida and we kind of no, no, no that, it bad. that's a different
0: that's a different thing oh it is yeah that's that's later that's that's in Radiant Depths
1: oh my yeah, bad oh, my bad yeah, uh, it, uh, it, yeah let's yeah, redact that yep yeah,
0: redacted sorry uh, getting ahead of ourselves there <laughs> uh, we've been in the sewers so many fucking times at this point yeah. um so uh,
1: yeah we went through the sewers came out um another clutch use of. Locate Object by Unia. Yes. Uh, looking for Sawtooth Sabers.
0: <laughs> this was honestly, like, when you did this, I was like, that's brilliant. I never would have um, thought of, of doing that. And, uh, like, like the book gives you all this, all these steps you can go through for, uh, for like, oh, this is how you can get to uh, this area. Like, uh, this is how you can... It, like basically it gives you like a lot of different avenues to search for van carlo
1: uh-huh.
0: um but but basically you guys bypassed a lot of the stuff that you could do <laughs> just by casting low object
1: i feel like it's a very good illustration of how divination magic can fuck up your game yeah. now it didn't in this case because i'm an excellent player also because care. i've read uh,
0: ultimate intrigue and ultimate intrigue tells you about how to deal with These things and still tell your story properly.
1: Uh, and so shout out to
0: Ultimate Intrigue. Yeah,
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um, but yeah, uh, I figured um, I would find uh, one of two things: I would find an eccentric collector, or I would find Red Mantis.
0: (laughs) Well, you (laughs) found a Red Mantis. Why did
1: I find Red Mantis? My favorite, my
0: favorite part of (laughs) of this sequence was was like, oh yeah, this is working perfectly fine. It's pointing you this way, like you're going that way, and oh now doesn't work when you get close to the house it's like bouncing all over the place no sort of being like like we this spell all it does is draw is, is point an arrow to the closest instance of this item
1: yeah that you have and so as we circled around the house it was snapping to different sawtooth sabers yes. in the house yes
0: and you go in and you find the place completely fucking soaked with uh with like alchemist fire fire. yeah uh and uh we have a lovely fight uh, oh that was so fun where first they ambush uh lenore who Uh only sees them because she has seen visibility up uh and then they start setting fire to the place to burn it down while you guys are in it yes Uh, Mm um and this is uh this was like uh a really uh important thing for me as you get into higher level pathfinder combat is you can't just have people wailing on each other because then it's just rounds and rounds and rounds of people standing in the same five foot uh, five foot squares just missing or hitting and so <laughs> it's like okay uh, uh, this I think the book does a really good job of setting up an alternate combat objective in that the house is also burning down around you yes uh, and so you can attack them but you also need to either stop the house from burning or get the fuck out yeah uh Um, and you had like a really great way of dealing with it
2: uh uh,
1: yeah firefighter unia uh shadow conjurationed two aqueous orbs into existence and just started rolling them around taking advantage of the 20 percent chance that something would happen (laughs) standard action roll one move action roll the other um, we did also find that once you've killed a Red Mantis assassin, if they have a round beforehand to go, oh, shit, I'm going to die here. They dissolve into red mist, which makes getting their bones very difficult. Yes. Uh, yes, yes. And um, yeah, we did actually manage to get the fire out.
0: But you didn't manage to get a him- bone. Oh.
1: We didn't manage <laughs> to get a bone, but we did take one of the Red Mantis Assassin masks yes. and turn it into a firefighter helmet. Yes, to
0: commemorate the day. To commemorate <laughs> Yunia's
1: heroism. So, canonically,
0: from now on, Unia is wearing a firefighter
1: helmet. Yes, <laughs> at least on occasion.
0: <laughs> well, it's, it's one of your standard equipment items, so I think you wear it all the time. <laughs>
1: Forgot to tell uh, Maru that when they made me. I think
0: it's fine if the art <laughs> doesn't show. <laughs> That's a little silly for our, our nice fancy art. Uh, uh, also, uh, like you know, we got to showcase the cool scar. Yes, uh, yes. And um, let's see. Yes. So, uh,
1: we went over to uh, the unfortunately already burned down uh, Orsini Fencing Academy, mm-hmm. uh, and found a lockbox uh containing the lockbox was in the house lockbox in the house oh so so uh, we looked around the house and we found a lockbox uh which uh thankfully was made out of metal and would have survived any fire um that contained <gasps> evidence that Van Carlo Orsini was
0: blackjack's black boyfriend <laughs> He keeps an extra suit at Vencarlo's house for when he stays the night. Right? But basically the entire thing that Ven Carlo had said to Ophelia was like, uh, if it's been longer than two weeks, go to my house. You will you will find something that will explain what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And and she found uh, Blackjack after, stuff. After a really fucking tough time with disabled the device.
1: The was so hard to open, okay? <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, yeah, you, you managed to get Blackjack stuff revealing that Vencarlo is Blackjack. What? The thing that Daph figured out the first fucking time <laughs> I introduced Vencarlo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we talked to Vencarlo Orsini, and he, uh, afterward you're like, so what do you think of Vencarlo? And I went, He's blackjack, right? <laughs> and I was like, went... no
0: comments, no comments. And we eventually, I did sort of be like, yeah, yeah, you're right. uh But can we just like play it like you don't fucking know? Yeah, yeah. And so my character like, just in go- case anybody who's listening, hey, hi yeah. listeners, anybody who's listening wants to get a twist. It's yeah. like ah, yeah. um uh, I think it's a pretty obvious reveal for anybody who's versed in like comic yeah. book heroes, but yeah. you know. Yeah. Just, just...
1: I mean, I feel like it's pretty obvious that Bruce Wayne is Batman too. Uh, yeah. but everybody continues to miss in the it the same job. <laughs> but you know who's
0: totally normal?
1: Clark Clark. Kent. Kent.
0: Yeah, that guy that guy's got nothing going on. Yeah. What, what a fucking loser. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh uh but yeah, um so then we were like, well fuck um we should probably um figure out what's going on here um but also as long as we're here in old corvosa we should probably stop pilts
0: well no you didn't do that while you were in old corvosa you did actually go back
1: oh you're right yeah
0: you did go back because because you were you were confronted by amin that's right uh for uh trespassing uh on uh on uh Carla's property that's right uh, and this is a great time where we got to see an old character this is a guy that you rescued from the mobs in, book in one in in like i think session two yeah uh wait no not session two because um it would have been
1: session three
0: Actually, I think it is session two because we had a session zero. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, um, I'm, going, I'm going. back to the episodes. Yeah. Uh, tell them about. Tell them about our man Almendolo.
1: Yeah, Almendolo was this guy who we rescued from uh, the mob really, really early on an episode or in, tell above, about what in did book now. one. Oh, um, <laughs> I'm looking at. So about he confronted us um, for trespassing and sort of led us into um, what remained of his property. Which had also really fallen into disrepair, um, explained to us that things in Old Corvoza were now extremely bad, yes, um, and how everything was sort of crumbling uh, and everyone was suffering because, um, well, both because the uh, Gray Maidens wouldn't let every uh, wouldn't let anybody in or out, which severely limited trade, uh, and also because um, Piltswastel was uh, really just terrorizing everyone um and he pleaded with us in episode three he, he pleaded with us to have him uh secreted away to the mainland um which we did do we sent we took him through the sewers um and uh brought him to a relative on um the mainland who was a huge asshole um and was disgusted by Amangelento's um, very presence um and we gave them a chewing out uh and uh I don't remember how that resolved actually um
0: uh, well I mean they they took him back in they did you okay. guys went your separate ways uh and uh then uh and then you were able to uh go back to uh one sec uh Getting back on the sorry, I had to I just scroll through like multiple episodes here. In order yeah, to... <laughs> yeah. Ready to get into this. Uh, and then all right, so you we did
1: also I believe while we were on the mainland. Um, oh yes, we learned that there was some sort of public works project yes. that had been started. Yes. Um, where people uh, were being given work orders to this. go and build something yeah. in the this various is... squares and public meeting areas yeah. of. Corvo says. This is yet
0: another um, another instance of stuff that they give you outside the explicit text of the adventure. Um, in the back matter of the book, there's like a list of events that happen at different points during the adventure, and one of them is that they start one dismantling uh, the uh, the great tower, which is this huge tower yep. that they use to house the hippogriffs for. Uh, the, Sable the Sable Company, Company who yeah. Marcus Hendren was the leader of at and the beginning the, of this book.
2: yeah,
0: uh, and The Sable Company's been disbanded. And the Sable Company's been disbanded because of the coup. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, the actually, coup. wasn't
1: it being disbanded before It was, that? It was
0: being disbanded, uh, and, and that's why we had the coup. Mm. Uh, and then any chance that it ever had of, of uh, yes. continuing was, was basically completely killed dashed. by that. Yes. Uh, now they're all conspirators in the plot against the Queen. Um, so we're dismantling the Great Tower. Uh, it's it's cited that they're dismantling it for structural issues. But th- what they're literally doing is taking the taking the tower down and using the stones to build statues of Ilios. Yeah.
1: Structural issues. Oh, you mean there's an issue with the engineering? No, we have issues with the structure being there.
0: Yeah. Uh and I believe you asked the all important question of where they what are they doing with the Yeah. Uh and we didn't answer that question. Nope. That's, uh but it's a good question to ask.
1: <laughs> oh, don't like that. Mm-hmm. No,
0: I don't think I think I think you still don't have an answer of no. what we're doing with that. No, earth, do you?
1: no, no. Okay. Uh, uh, all the worlds meet. Anyway, you'll find out. Uh.
0: <laughs> I believe even where we are now in book no. five, no, no still I have no have idea. An yeah, no, you and- will. <laughs> oh God! Uh, you will. Oh
1: God! Uh,
0: and my uh, skin is crawling. Yeah. Uh, Hate that. And uh, and yeah. So so I wanted to give you an update on things that are happening outside your control. Also, sort of helping with the idea that this is a living world where you guys don't just do stuff and like everything waits off screen for you to do it. Yeah. Right. Stuff is going on while you guys are doing your investigation. Ilios is consolidating power things are happening um and importantly we're, we're here we're setting up these public works projects as like this great thing oh it's gonna it's to celebrate the end of blood veil which was also like uh me sort of being like oh okay let's let's extra hype this up <laughs> to poke fun at people who are celebrating quarantine being over by like having parties and not getting vaccinated and yay. Yay.
2: Uh,
0: so now now that now we've failed to stop this pandemic from you know, becoming an endemic disease, and now it's going to exist like basically forever.
2: <laughs> we don't need a
0: quarantine anymore. It's because we we fucked up. <laughs> we didn't quarantine well enough. Uh, anyway, that's not what happened in Corvosa Corvosa you actually cured.
1: The yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because. Uh,
0: but social yeah. themes, I can still touch on the same yes, stuff.
1: Absolutely. Uh,
0: and then you decide to go back after Pilz. Uh, and we get a rematch. Yep. I love one of the things that I love is that when you go back, Lenora is kind of like leading the way. Yeah,
1: best two of three. And
0: because you know you've told Lenora this whole story. Yeah, and she's uh, pissed and she's that she like, yeah. wasn't there. Yeah, and
1: and and the whole time, Peltz is like, "Who are you?" Yeah, <laughs> all the guards are like, "Who are you?" She's, like, oh fuck, <laughs> I was I was dead last time. <laughs> uh, yes. I'm just they changed their starting lineup, okay? <laughs> like not bring back the spiky and... <laughs> lady.
0: We like her. <laughs> and you go, you storm Pilt's palace, uh you uh you
1: kick his ass kick his ass. Like
0: uh and uh I think that's pretty much it. You, you, yeah. you fucking like uh I think you, you lopped off uh, jabber his yeah. bodyguard's head we, while he was in hold person yes
1: yeah no that was horrific um <laughs> we set some bridges on fire uh with fireball um yeah we 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 um once jabber was out uh it was it, the fight was pretty trivial yeah uh, Pilts is a bard uh he, he's he's just a bard and then he had a bunch of uh cronies with hand axes. Yes. Uh,
0: and then we got some lovely loot, uh, including the collected works of Shakespeare. <laughs> yes, uh,
1: the collected works of Shakespeare. Yeah, which uh, um, I was, which he I was, actually did as part of a bardic performance. Yes. Um, <laughs> and and uh, at first I was going to be like,
0: oh, I'm going to quote Shakespeare at you guys. But then I went, oh wait, shit that's in English. None of you speak English. So there, I started to quote, I believe the Tempest is what I did in an episode. Uh, and and then I went, oh wait, no shit, you guys don't understand anything you say. Uh, and... You're like,
1: it's really, there's a nice compelling rhythm to it. Yep. Like, You're like if you get the feeling like if you
0: understood this, it would, it would be really good. But yeah. Uh, you also got the beautiful uh, Ring of Chameleon power that is glitched To change your hair color to a random color.
1: I love one of my favorite items in the entire game. It's really useful (sighs) when uh, Siren has to disguise herself, uh, to to hide in uh, in a stealthy way, because it gives you a plus ten to stealth checks Mm -hmm. as you sort of blend into the colors of your environment. But it does also have this like extremely funny thing where if you try to look like somebody else, you look like them, but with a funky hair color. Yes. Uh, which well, is
0: Anytime you use The disguise self feature Regardless of whether You're looking like Another person or not Oh yeah I guess always, It always gives you A random hair color yes. Which I did In the form of a Of a hex code generator
1: <laughs> A random hex code generator uh, yeah,
0: <laughs> To basically generate uh, A random hexadecimal uh, String Which tells me What color they should be And then usually I pump up the saturation Just to make it
1: good. <laughs> Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> It's very funny uh, Apparently in the, uh, the Description of the book Like um, Does it say something like uh, the the glitchy ring? Like it it pissed Pilts off oh, so much that yes. he just refused to wear it. Yeah, one
0: sec, one sec, one sec. Uh, let <laughs> me <laughs> let me let me look it up. Ring of Chameleon. Oh, there it is. Ring like, of Chameleon Power. It, it, like, yeah, yes. It, it specifically says most of the contents are relatively worthless costume jewelry, but one of the rings is a Ring of Chameleon Power that Pilts Sometimes loaned to actors to aid with their disguises. Unfortunately, the ring doesn't function perfectly and is a strange quirk. Whenever the ring is activated or removed, all of the wearer's hair changes to a strange and unnatural random color. Oops.
1: I didn't realize it happened when it was removed, too. Ophelia's never taken it off.
0: Yeah. Uh, all, uh, the, the strange side effect has no real game effect, but it was enough to rub Pilz the wrong way, and he never used the ring himself.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. So, like, it, okay. I, I love that it even says, like, in the game that it doesn't really have any real in-game effect, meaning it doesn't affect the effectiveness of your disguise. Yes,
0: Your, your disguise is equally good as it would have been if you had the right hair color.
1: But uh, it's but it, but it pissed Pilts off, so he never yes. used it. <laughs> yes.
2: Uh, uh.
0: Now later later in the books, we do have a point where where we have somebody literally comment on, "Hey, you have the wrong hair color." That's just because they failed the disguise check. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, um, but uh, then we we explored his area for more loot. Uh, th- there we I did cut here because we had an episode. Uh, of literally just exploring the rest of his palace and tallying up all the loot and then selling the, the like, like getting, like, the worth of the loot and stuff. Uh-huh. And I was like, uh, you fought some chokers, yeah uh, which uh, ultimately, it's sort of one of those Paizo game design things, no offense Paizo, where, like, you have your big fight and then, oh, here's the little fight on this side.
1: Yeah, the little um, side fight when now, you thought you were done.
2: <laughs> now,
0: now, t- to to be fair, this is also they're guarding another way in you can climb in through the area that they're guarding. Yeah. If you wanted to sneak into Pilt's Palace. In fact, one of the things that I asked you multiple times when you were coming there uh-huh. is like, how are you approaching this place? Are you going to the front door? You just went to the front door every time. Yeah. But there are alternative ways. You could have climbed up through this area, uh, if you scouted around the perimeter of the building and found this like, this like place where stuff is falling apart and you can basically climb uh, the timbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you would get ambushed by the Chokers. Uh-huh. Uh And. Uh, and so you know going in the front door has like its, its own bombastic yeah. style that i yeah, think fits yeah. your party really well. well yeah well
1: i mean yeah like the first time we were we were going to negotiate mm-hmm. and the second time lenore wanted to fuck things up lenore yes. not a very subtle person no i love her subtle. she's not very subtle uh, um <laughs> if ophelia had been in charge maybe we would have gone somewhere else uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> um but, but yeah um uh, Yes. Yeah. So um after that we had a bit of a uh a side adventure diversion. Yeah, an interlude. With, an interlude mm-hmm. with um Zach and Giro from Pod Against the Machine. Mm-hmm. Great folks over there. We yes. love their show too. Th-
0: this was this was so great for me because um uh I, I think we've talked about this before. We love Pod Against the Machine because um the game that I ran before starting Curse of the Crimson Throne was Iron Gods. Uh and and like I we'd been running Iron Gods for years at the point that Pot Against the Machine started, and so I was actually uh, sort of acquaintances with uh, with uh, Sam, the GM from uh, Pot Against the Machine, uh, through several different uh, Pathfinder networking servers, and and so like as they were getting ready, I I, I like talking to him, shooting the shit about how my game was going. Uh, I gave him some stuff. I think uh, I gave him tokens. Because I already had pre made tokens for the entire fucking adventure path. And I was like, here, just take these, because I have them laying around. Uh, And uh, then the. And it it was kind of interesting, because there was a long period of time where he was talking about doing this podcast. Mm -hmm. And then he actually did it, and we were like, oh, fuck, it's out. And then we listened, it's like, oh shit, it's really good. And we were like, oh my god. And. And their their podcast is like taken off. It's like, dude, it's so oh good. Oh my god, and, it's so and, good. And so and so they've been so busy that we we wanted to have an opportunity to work with them, uh, but we we just hadn't had a moment where we both could like do stuff. Yeah. And then finally, um, I went to them, uh, and so- was like, hey. Uh, Can we do a collab yeah sort of at
1: the beginning of 2022 which was well after the rest of the episodes in this
0: season had been recorded and uh we had we had a collab where uh where like you went on
1: yeah i went on brian uh which is their like um little numerian one shots uh yes. where they uh, sometimes that they sometimes use to. It's really cool. Yeah, uh, uh, th- like I think sometimes they raise money for charity, um, yeah. Uh, and yeah, th- that was fun.
0: Um, and and so then in exchange, uh, Zach and Jero came on our show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, very importantly, uh, we we bring on the clearly romantic couple of Zach and <laughs> Uh Yes. Uh, so that we can have a double date with clearly romantic couple of Zach and Jero. Yes. <laughs> uh sorry. <laughs> anyway, um and and so we had an interlude where you guys had a heist at the Jagari Museum to steal the one piece of tech, like Numerian tech that's in the museum, the Jagari Museum, which yes. is which is in the book. Yes. Like this one piece of uh Numerian tech. Uh
1: which yeah. uh oh, yeah. So it, it was. So Damien. Oh, bless you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, so Damien was at the museum uh, doing research, uh, as we did uh, for uh, a good portion of like mm-hmm. the very first part of the book, uh, and uh, so it was. It was Damien and Zach and Jero's characters mm-hmm. um, uh, heisting at the museum. Uh, Damien also firmly of the belief that returning. Uh, any of these, um, we'll say, uh, illicitly acquired, um, or we'll say questionably acquired artifacts yes. to the places whence they came, uh, is a, is a, a good thing, uh, and a righteous thing to do. Yes. Um, was good here. and righteous,
0: just like Killmonger.
1: Was Jesus Christ? <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, it was
0: very. I was very inspired by the Killmonger <laughs> sequence in Black Panther. yeah. yeah. To do this, uh, steal
1: things from a museum because they actually belong to me. Like, yeah. uh, uh, in this case, I actually belong to Numeria. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and yeah, and that was that was really fun. Um, Zach played a um, was it a, a summoner? Um.
0: I'd have he to look had, back at he had an animal companion uh, uh he let me let me look, let me look yeah back at it. uh talk about what happened and i'll, I'll look up the yeah. mechanics
1: <laughs> <laughs> and so um we went through the museum sort of uh skirting around its various um security protocols um say making good use of uh, invisibility spells uh, dispel magic spells for the various um, arcane eyes that were watching uh, and glitter dust for guards and such <laughs> as we uh, snuck our way through the museum some of us more stealthy than others It's uh, it was weird uh, having Damien actually do something stealthy he's he's decent at being stealthy actually um, he has a, a, a being a dex based um character uh, or a dex and int based character but having a pretty good deck score uh, and several ranks and stealth and the ability to cast invisibility Damien can actually be pretty stealthy and he just usually isn't because he's far too awkward um <laughs> but when pressed uh actually um was uh, the, the well I wouldn't say a competent member of a heist team the heist team was not the most competent but we did manage to get where we were going um and discovered upon uh getting to the exhibit where the numerian this this tech glove uh was situated uh discovered that it was a fake uh, a note fell out of the bottom that was like uh sorry I oh. <laughs> it was i believe he was uh the inquisitor archetype
0: that gets an animal component.
1: ah yes. yes yes he was an inquisitor of abadar
0: yes inquisitor uh, abadar, very
1: good. <laughs> and he was he was coming here because he he was uh of the belief that um Corvosa having Numerian things was like negatively impacting Numeria's uh, bottom line basically, yes, basically. Uh, and so having, having Damien staunch anti-capitalist have to uh, team up with this guy <laughs> who Oh god he was really awful. Uh, Zach <laughs> did an amazing job. Uh Oh yes. It was it was it was very good. Uh, and then Jiro played uh, a kasatha yes, named C Samsa uh, who was who had many crossbows and was truly amazing really the uh really the standout member of the ice party um in that you know uh, Zach's character is super interesting very good at fighting not very stealthy Damien is Damien uh, <laughs> um and uh, but it was it's super fun uh, after we found out that um, the original was not on display, the original Numerian artifact was not on display um, we um had to go down to the archives there was basically
0: a a duplicate on display and you had to go down into the archives uh, uh, to find the proper one.
1: Yes, where we fought uh, well, where we (laughs) we we melted a guard yes Rather against our will. Yes.
0: Uh- <laughs> and then he got to fight uh, a technically agent named Nedric Stavarti yes. who comes from uh, a side adventure that happens in Numeria that I heavily cribbed from when we went to the city of Chesed, which is like this big metropolitan area in uh, in uh, Numeria. Uh, but basically, Nedric Stavarti is, uh, is a guy who uses a monowhip uh Uh, and i was like oh this is fucking cool i want to play a game where i use this whip again uh yeah
1: uh, and he was a fearsome foe indeed pretty mean.
0: yeah Uh, tech maguses are fucking mean Uh,
1: (laughs) um zach's character died yeah uh and his animal companion like picked his body up and ran off into the ran off into the night
0: presumably to Get Presumably yelled. to get him, yeah, <laughs> ran off
1: to the bank of Abadar to yeah. get him rested. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, see, Samsa got the artifact, which was a gauntlet into which five little pieces of tech or six, rather, six little pieces of tech could be slotted to give it increasing powers and abilities. Yes. Uh, what did you call it? The Gauntlet of Limitless the gaunt- Potential. I,
0: th- I believe it was the, uh, the, gonf- the gauntlet the of Infinite Possibilities.
1: Ah, yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if you can put uh, all these tech item cores into the, the into the knuckles and then snap your fingers, uh, you, you can wish. No, it's not wish. wish it's it's specifically i believe y- you can kill everything in like a in like a th- like a 300 foot radius or jesus something jesus christ <laughs> yeah it's it, it was basically i think it was like a mass disintegrate is what we had Ooh. it doing
2: um,
0: which yeah uh all right and, and But with that secured, we went back to the things that the rest of the party were doing. Damien never
1: told the rest of the party no, about. No, he, he was sworn to secrecy. <laughs> he was sworn he didn't to tell secrecy, uh, yes. He didn't want to make them accomplices as well uh, in case he ever got in trouble for it. Yes.
0: Uh, let's take a quick break. Uh, and uh, you can enjoy uh, some music from Philip Melvin. Uh, this track uh, is going to be uh, the theme for uh, book four. Of course, it comes to the throne uh so enjoy this we'll be back in a moment
1: now it's time for your local weather on the eights
0: it's it's bad the weather's bad the weather's bad the weather's bad okay listen to music <laughs> <laughs> was The Ascension of Arthur, uh, which we'll be using uh, for our theme for book four of Curse of the Crimson Throne.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, one of the things that I really like about Ascension of Arthur that is ultimately a reason that I wanted to use it is uh, I wanted something that has sort of a different cultural identity than some a lot of the stuff that you've heard in Corvosa itself. Um, and specifically one of the reasons that i like ascension of arthur is that there's like uh there's like bagpipes in it and stuff like that hurdy um, hurdy gurdy uh and you know sort of a, a very very bear mccreary uh combination of things <laughs> um but like uh it gives you this blending of cultures that uh that you can't quite place it you know because it sort of comes from a uh mythological version of England in this case. Uh but uh I liked using it for the the Shawanti uh Cinderlands. Uh sort of because when I was originally reading about the Shawanti like years and years ago, they really struck me as being kind of like a mix of Celts, um sort of uh sort of like pre Ottoman uh iranian uh factions uh and native americans right like and you know a lot of a lot of art and a lot of uh stuff especially in the corvosa setting uh really sort of focuses on the parallels between shawanti and native americans uh but I, i sort of wanted to have something that evokes some of the other cultural elements that I really saw when I was reading about them, and so having bagpipes and stuff like that, uh, you know, ties them in to me with like the Celts and stuff. And so I was like, "Oh yeah, let's do that."
1: Yeah, <laughs> and, and also sort of the interpretation of the King Arthur story as being a um, uh, an anti-colonialist one. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Well, I mean, um, I, I didn't really put much thought into the Arthurian aspect yeah. of it. It was mostly just the instrumentation. That in I, like, the
1: interim, we went and saw a Green Knight. Yeah, we went and watched the
0: entirety of Green Knight while you guys were waiting, uh, and uh, and like, uh, but but importantly, this is getting into sort of like the blending of cultures that you get to create Pathfinder cultures. Um, you know, it, it there are there are some meme-y, uh there are some mimi basic interpretations of Pathfinder culture, but if you really get into like the world building of Galarian, like each of these cultures has like their own distinct stuff that really separates them uh from our world uh and from each other right like uh and what better time to get into the distinctions of cultural uh cultural uh identity than as we transition into the end game of book 3
2: oh right? boy we
0: now know uh that gloria arcona uh is kind of at the center of things And we've gotten all the other pieces of old Corvosa out of the way. And so the path is kind of clear that we need to go back to, excuse me, excuse me, uh, we need to go back to old Corvosa and deal with Gloria Arcana. But first, uh, we, we do have, uh, we, we rolled a random encounter. And fought some red mantis, and then we and from them we got the bone of a red mantis. Yeah, we
1: got the jump on them and managed to kill them before they did their turning into mist thing. Yes, uh, and we got a finger bone, uh, and we gave it to uh, um, the broker below and got uh, the location of our little baby Portobello, who appeared uh, upon scrying to no longer be so little. Yeah, uh, and seemed- also to be attended by uh, a little goblin. Lady yes. of some sort.
0: Yes, uh, we we uh, via the broker we we got that uh, portobello has been getting some uh, magical healing attention, uh, and is is quite a bit differently off than uh, than than last than last we saw him.
1: Yes. So we decided to go try to find this place um, that appeared to be somewhere in the sewers of, uh, Corvosa. And we went down into, uh, not just the regular sewers or the, uh, we went down into the deepest deep sewers that ended up being more of less of, uh, infrastructure that carts around sewage and more of the remains of a city that corvosa had been built on top of
0: yeah uh specifically you you were actually in sewers still but it was the that the thessalonian sewers of xenurithnia
2: ah. uh, that are still there
0: below the main the main the, the like basically we we built our sewers on top of theirs because they had the better infrastructure
1: yes we did not <laughs> quite intuit that or determine that uh. in the game yes yeah uh, you guys
0: didn't pick up on that um yeah. uh but like you guys got lost in these Thessalonian sewers beneath the city
2: <laughs> um
0: is also another place where uh, I kind of took a little bit of creative license in that the like the Corvosa guy does explicitly say there are more things below Corvosa than what we've outlined and they sort of give you the general theme of what you're going to find down there uh, and uh, I really wanted to give it some ties into some of the other stuff going on around Varicia, which is the Rune Lords, right? Like, and Corvosa uh, sits on the site of a city that once existed uh, called Zinirithia. Uh
1: Once the, the ruling site of the uh, Rune Lord of Lust.
0: Yes. And so, as you go deeper into the, the battles of Corvosa, you also uncover pieces of this lost civilization. Uh, and specifically um, we, after wandering around Lost in here we have our lovely scene where we don't know if it's a, se- a statue of a nereid or a statue of a Dryad uh, <laughs> and uh, and then you run into some Corvosan guards yes. and scare them <laughs> into giving you a map uh, before um, realizing, oh shit, these guys work for Cressida, we should
1: yeah. probably work with them uh, Yeah, we apologize, we gave them their, max- yes. their map back uh, they went off to Whatever drop they were doing with um, the head of the thieves guild, guild and, master Bool. and uh, yes. we we had a good laugh about it later. <laughs>
0: <Yes>. I <laughs> wonder what in- they were doing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you have invoked both my wrath and, and my, my ire. ire. Yes. <laughs> uh,
0: and so with that information, you you went uh, you went uh, to where the water was flowing into uh, that didn't follow the flow of water into the like the bay or whatever. Uh, and you manage to find uh, this waterfall, uh, the Corpse Feaster Falls, as we called it, where Corpse Feaster Otyugs, uh are grown, uh, or basically Corpse Feaster Otiugs being like a bigger, badder version of an Otyug. Uh The idea is that they that they get that big by eating the eating the dead, and it's like, but we're like, no, they're not doing that here. Uh, we're just calling it Corpse Feaster because it evokes the size of a large Otyug. Uh But these are actually just Otyugs that have been drinking this water that heals otugs but is toxic to anyone else.
1: And this this area has been being maintained uh by a little goblin warden um who a little a little druid named Squelch. Yes.
0: Uh, uh, we also had a lovely bit where we got to navigate this these sort of like collapsed structures. I got to be like, "What parts of a 10,000-year-old civilization are still going to be around?" And I'm like, "Well, it's it we're in a we're in uh a sewer, so there's lots of moisture here. So yes. wood is gone. Yeah. Uh, so we have stone, we have metal, uh, and not much else. Uh, so any writings that were here are gone. Any any uh, chairs or yeah uh, shelves or any foodstuffs or whatever. That's mm. all gone. Oh yeah. The only thing that can possibly be left here is stone, and even then, the stone is in rough shape because it's ten thousand years
1: old. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um and so we had like like water had eroded away through a building that had collapsed in on Gosh, here that
1: was so cool like a
0: building was on its side underneath the city uh and uh we had actually the the lost pieces of uh, uh i don't i don't know if i told you this did i tell you that it was um it was an orrery that you found
1: um you found basically yes. the planets
0: of an orrery
1: yeah i think uh, i think yeah you told me that after
0: but but yeah basically I was like oh there's there's like some metal balls uh, (laughs) of different sizes because all the armature and everything was gone but the metal balls that made it that made up the planets were still there Uh, and so picking your way through this you completely missed the giant quest indicator saying go to this bridge and had a (laughs) lovely time trying to figure out how to carry down Lenore uh, which that's I hate to tell you the way that you carry down Lenore is you cast fly on Lenore. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Lenore climbs. No, you cast fly on
0: Lenore, and Lenore can carry somebody else
1: down. Yes, yes, yes. I did not um, interrupt.
0: I, I let you do your thing.
1: Yeah, you let me and make it out to
0: myself. And then I, and then I went, do you want to check out the bridge where there's a light that is showing you where the thing is? Went-
1: Oh, there's a quest marker over there.
0: <laughs> yep, yep. I, I had like a lovely uh, light highlighting uh, this place on the other side of the bridge, being like,
1: "Oh, go over here." Yeah,
0: uh, uh, anyway. I was
1: zoomed in too. I was zoomed in too close on this the is, map. This is <laughs> this is what
0: happens in tabletop <laughs> RPGs, like all the time. When you're describing a room as a GM, you'll say something that you're like, "Yeah," and there's a and there's like a cliff here. And also there's a bridge over there. And you go, yeah, they're gonna check out the bridge, right? And there's then- a cliff but, here. but then everybody gets obsessed with, oh, how are we gonna get down the cliff? We have to get down the cliff. Oh, how are we gonna do it? And I'm like, what about the bridge I just told you about like, right over there? Uh, this happens in tabletop RPGs all the time. Like people get become obsessed with whatever little tiny thing you described that you weren't ready for.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh,
1: I just happened to exemplify that particular- uh, In this case, I just wanted this- to save
0: you. From fall damage? <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, no. <laughs> so I did highlight the way that I... Yes, had it and then there were some little stairs that have been carved with uh, stone shape mm-hmm. uh, down yes. to, the, uh, to the pool.
0: Mm-hmm. Excuse me. And you got this lovely pool where basically you had a waterfall churning up some sort of like glowing reddish magic in the pool uh, and OTX can drink it and they can heal and get bigger. And Portobello's been drinking it to get nursed back from the attack, uh, where the red man's assassins cut him. Uh, and, uh, but there was a rule of no magic, uh, here where like, you are not allowed to do any magic. Uh, and, uh, this is also one of those places where I'm never ready for the party to listen
1: yeah so (laughs) so so what happened was um we went down to the pool and nearly had a huge diplomatic incident with the otugs who were this close to attacking us just for being there i didn't want to kill any otugs i didn't want to get portobello mixed up in that and also squelch was fucking scary uh she was (laughs) she was kitted out up to wealth by level um and like very fierce and um it was it was not a fight that they wanted to get into um mostly in the interests of protecting portobello and also this druid seems nice and we don't want to piss off <laughs> this probably nice person who's not actually an enemy. So we did just listen, which doesn't happen very often.
2: <laughs> yes. Uh,
0: but uh, but you did uh, you did uh, manage to enlist the help of Squelch uh, who has nursed Portobello back to health and now Portobello is ready to be Squelch's animal companion. Yeah,
1: because yeah. <laughs> it, it turned out Squelch actually knew Vencarlo Orissini, uh and had done some work in uh, helping Vencarlo cover his tracks when he went uh, up to uh, uh, the Arcona Palace um, And yeah so she was very interested in making sure that he was okay too. Uh, and so yes, Squelch joined the party. Portobello joined the party and we made <laughs> our way.
0: Yeah. We got we got a lovely um, we got a lovely thing out of this in that uh, I was using a uh, third party uh, archetype. Uh, from oh, one second I'm, I'm checking this just to make sure uh basically a third party uh uh animal companion uh in the form of an OTUG. uh where uh this was published by is it legendary games sorry cats yeah. stepping on my mouse again <laughs>
2: uh
0: legendary hunters uh by Legendary Games, yes. Yes. Uh, so you can have like monstrous companions through this. Uh, ironically, uh, when when we when we did this, I was worried that the OTG would be too powerful. Uh, it actually turned out to be less powerful than I intended. Uh, <laughs>
1: it's okay he was he was a baby he's baby, he's
0: yeah. baby. um and but oh so cute uh, oh, my, oh god. my god it's so good to have like he he was like crying for his mama and and then he gets back ironically when i was saying that uh when i was originally having portobello crying for his mama i was actually talking about his otiag mom um but uh lenore came in and was interpreting it as talking about her and and so and so portobello having very low intelligence was like oh no you're my mama aren't you <laughs> oh
1: food for baby yeah. well uh, i mean the otang did say take care of my baby uh and so we Shit. were like okay uh
0: sorry cat is climbing all over my desk again hello princess <laughs> Hello. what princess. do you want all right are you also a baby yes she is also a baby she's a baby oh she's 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 different oh sorry <laughs> she's um, so cute but um yeah Yeah, and uh, you also inspected some of the stuff mm
1: -hmm. around
0: uh this area and you got we
1: found that it was sort of a failed magical experiment copying
0: Um, uh i believe the
1: artifact
0: the artifact uh and you got and uh specifically there was there was a lovely uh interlude where i got to talk about the linguistic uh and cultural differences with you and Thessalon, where like you, you see something, you read it and you're like, I don't know if this means healing or necromancy, uh, like, but sort of there's an interpretation that, you know, it could probably mean both. But you don't speak Thessalonian well enough to really get what they're talking about, but you get like a word that could mean healing or could mean necromancy. Um, I also got a little quip about 3.5 using uh, using uh, necromancy as uh, the healing school. <laughs> I believe it's back to necromancy now in two, in second edition, isn't it?
1: I would need to look that up. To yeah, I believe that.
0: it is. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and and uh, so we we found that we were this was an attempt to recreate some yes. sort of powerful this. Energy from in some kind of artifact. We don't I, know what
1: kind of artifact that is. I uh, just looked it up. Tui, healing is necromancy. Yeah,
0: because because the rune lords have risen now, and so they've brought back their concepts of <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, duality
0: of purpose. Yes. Incredible. Uh, um,
1: so we got out of the sewers uh, with our new friends, and we saw in the night sky a glowing to the north that was very ominous. That reminded us of things being on fire, mm-hmm. and we rushed to Old Corvosa. Yes, crossing the bridge,
0: crossing the bridge, going straight in
1: to find the Temple of Aridon on fire. Yes,
0: uh, uh, and it's always it's always fun for me, like having these side events that end up being kind of kind of like the focal points of the story. Like like when I wrote, oh, they set the Temple of Aridon on fire. Um, I was like, ah, I just need some way to get your attention. But like it ended up being such an iconic both fight uh and character moment mm-hmm. for Unia. Yeah. Uh, that I was like, oh shit. Uh, and so when this is this is one of the reasons why I, I let us not only get a, a, a book ahead, but also have time to meditate on the themes of the book before make before releasing it which is why we're taking so long to put out book four here uh, is i want to see both the impact on your party and the impact on the setting of your actions before like doing like artwork or whatever right like yeah and so the art that we had commissioned for this book is of the temple burning because of how important this section is for your party and for the city Mm -hmm. um and, uh, of course, the temple being burned by Signifier Strickland, uh, the member of the Order of the Pyre, who you, who kidnapped Kester originally. You killed him. Uh, and uh, this is also sort of uh, serving uh, another purpose that I have as we get into higher level play is you can't just kill people. You also have to make sure you kill them and nobody's going to bring them back. Right, because like um, at low level play, you just fucking kill people, who cares, right? But once you get to like level 9, 10, stuff like that, you know, if you kill somebody, if they have allies who can bring them back, those motherfuckers coming back, right? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Uh, And like, like, uh, and it's an important thing to broach the subject of because we're going to go after the queen, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because mm-hmm. we're planning to, like, deal with the queen at some point, yeah. uh, we need to know, okay, well, how do we stop her from coming back? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and so we get, we get to deal with that in kind of like a microcosm in the form of Signifier Strickland. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who came back worse.
2: <laughs> like, now he's, now
0: he's got some sort of, like, uh, skeletal thing going yeah, on. Yeah, flickering uh, and fire. Uh, um, I'm not going to say what it is just yet because I don't know if we explicitly said it at this point, and we are going to see Signifier Strickland again, because uh, you didn't kill him here
1: either. No, we uh, didn't succeed. He, he,
0: he attempted to negotiate with you in a burning building. Yeah, and
1: we were like, you burned the building, you killed the three attendants who were here, Fuck you. Fuck whatever deal you're trying to make with us. Um He's like just
0: bring me the boy. Yes.
1: Uh we we had uh in an inter- in a side thing given Kester an amulet of proof against detection and location which we obtained from uh right. Van Carlo yes. Orsini's yes. effects. Yes, did that before
0: you went down the radiant
1: Yeah. Uh, we had obtained it from Van Carlo Orsini's effects and we were like you know what? Let's make sure that nobody can take Kester away again. Yes. Uh, Kester,
0: Kester. was also just too busy drawing a cat named Barry, apparently.
1: What? He's so cute.
0: Yes. Uh, Barry.
1: Barry. What? No, no that, that, like not named after a mat of any sort. Uh, Matt Barry, even. Um, so, but, yeah. Or Behor uh, is that, specifically what I was going for. That no, that um. Oh yes. yes,
2: yes,
0: Barry for Behor.
1: <laughs> 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 I was thinking that Barry, like the impression. Yeah. Um. Well. Sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that well pissed Signifier Strickland off, uh, and he decided to burn down the Temple of Aridin in retaliation, mm-hmm. uh, because he knew it would get our attention. Uh, and hurt us because that's the kind of person he is uh and so yeah we fought him in a burning in a burning building uh once again uh old corvosa being on fire Mm -hmm. um once again um the party having to try to put out that fire um more clutch spell casting in the form of squelch having resist energy communal prepared yeah I mean, when you're a druid and you have an animal companion and you're level nine, you uh,
0: prep resist energy You prep communal. resist
1: energy communal. Yes. Uh, and so um, we were able to mostly get protected from the fire, although uh, Signifier Strickland did dispel it on Lenore in a very yeah. nasty move. Yeah. Uh, and then Damien got. Suggested away from the fight yes. by a fucking imp. Yes. God! Suggestion remains so mean, so late into the game. It's like glitter dust, but for annoying the player characters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, left the fight to go and try to get back to access to finish his, his thesis. You,
0: you, you tried you tried very hard to weasel your way out of it. On I did. And I, I was did. like, no, like we're not gonna cheapen uh, enchantment magic just because you have a high intelligence score. And uh we 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 like we, we we had a lovely conversation there about like what enchantment magic does to your brain yeah and it's like ooh, yeah it like makes your brain your own enemy <laughs> yeah
1: uh, so we fought Strickland uh, we nearly killed him he was mm-hmm. very close to death and he teleported away mm-hmm. uh, and we were left in a burning building mm-hmm. and unia did something firefighter they, unia. the firefighter unia yes did something that they should not have been able to do.
0: Yes, I believe you went to cast aqueous orb on the altar.
1: Yes, uh,
0: a but shadow rather, conjuration
1: aqueous orb on yeah. the
0: altar. But rather than getting a shadow aqueous orb, you got this like huge, uh, huge rate like, like radiant burst of shadow energy that quenched all the flames and restored parts of the temple with. Uh, basically an echo of the temple from the shadow plane. Mm -hmm. I don't believe all of that was clear at the time because it was night and, you know, you were just trying to get out of a burning building. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, as you guys will see as we're getting into book four, uh, that sticks around. Uh
2: Uh,
0: And I believe we don't deal with that in book three here because you're really kind of set on, you know, we have to get to the Arconas. Also, we were just in a burning building, but like the fact that Yuni is able to call forth this incredible power is like really a momentous occasion, uh, sort of marking uh, a shift from just being, uh, you know, this person saying, No, Eridan's alive, Eridan's alive, to I have performed a miracle yeah, uh, of Eridan.
1: Yeah. And uh, they also got a fragment of. Eridan's shield, yes, uh, which is a super powerful artifact, mm-hmm. um, and it had been turned to stone. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, yeah, so. this is um, this is uh, kind of getting into one of my like game philosophy things. Is I, I always sort of treat it as a character sheet tells you what you can do all the time. Basically, it tells you what you as a player are entitled to, but like there should be times when characters do things beyond the scope of what's written down on their character sheet just because of circumstance or whatever uh, and I, I'd actually um, I don't know if I'd had this entire thing planned for a long period of time but I did know that I wanted Unia to do something with the Temple of Aroden that would be uh, more momentous uh, like perform some kind of miracle involving the Temple Aridon. Uh and I just didn't know how to have that come about until like we you know set it on fire and quench the flames <laughs> with aqueous Orb. and I was like that'll
1: do <laughs> it was very cool yes uh, uh, anyway yeah and so uh, we went and retrieved Damien from the <laughs> Grey Maidens who had yes. detained him uh, doing some uh, we'll say very <laughs> Convoluted sort of um mind tricks to get damien to cast yes. the spell magic on himself. Yes, <laughs> I believe yeah. Ophelia said. I talked to the Grey Maidens over there, and they said that
0: you said uh, that you can work on. If, yeah, it, they'll it, let you go you,
1: back. To you can through go to the Nexus if you cast the spell magic you on yourself. Cast the spell magic yes. on yourself, it was very and good. damien was like. You know what, Ophelia? I trust you, because Ophelia got a natural (laughs) 20 on her bluff check, Yes. Uh, so he cast Dispel Magic on himself and dispelled the suggestion effect.
0: Yes. Um, And then from there, we went to House Arcona, um, where it turned out you were expected. Yeah! And you were welcomed with open arms. Yeah!
1: We were going in there fully expecting that uh, as soon as we got through the door, they would be like, oh, it's you! We know why you're here, and we're going to stop you. Yep. Uh,
0: and th- again, this is this is another thing that I, I like to mess with a lot of times uh, as a GM is I always you know we always assume that you know you go into any place you're gonna fight you're gonna kill the things, but it's like it's nice to flip it sometimes. Yeah. Um, and the book actually does sort of like allow for this. Basically, if you if you go to Arcona Ar- uh, to Arcona Palace. Uh, before killing Pilts, he asks you to kill Pilts. Mm-hmm. So then he'll negotiate with you. Yeah. And if you go there after dealing with Pilts, he's like, thanks for dealing with that problem that I had. Uh, yeah. Uh, what do you want me to do for you now? Right? Yeah. And it was really nice to have that here.
1: Also, just Gloria Arcona is so <laughs> genial. Like, he's so. hmm. Charismatic and so like overtly friendly. Like we were waiting, uh, in the side room, and he came in and immediately started berating his major demo for not giving us any refreshments. Yes, uh, and uh, then we're very much
0: making a show about how 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 kind and how generous he is. Yeah, it's obviously uh, all
1: a show, but it is like very different.
0: Yes, uh, uh, and and like uh, to the. So, like, so to the credit of of uh, the book, they are really asking for a lot for uh, for you to not just fucking kill him when he tells you what's going on here, because you have this lovely conversation uh-huh. in which you play a little game of cat and mouse uh, <laughs> uh, of of him trying to get you to come to him to say, "Hey, we hate the queen and we want to do something about it." Uh-huh. Um, uh, but like, but basically, sort of, sort of. Being polite and do and doing the normal social etiquette things, but knowing why you're here and basically wanting you to say it mm-hmm, right, mm-hmm. which is we we hate the queen and we need Neilandis Kalipopoulos. We know you have him.
1: Yeah, it was, right. it, it was a really good um, opportunity for Ophelia to uh, flex her diplomatic chops. Yeah, even in Siren Guys. Yeah, and
0: um, um like the book gives me a very tall order, which is uh, essentially on the pages where we discuss this stuff it just says uh what is basically this is this is this is the text from the book once the pcs have removed the emperor of old corvosa from the picture it doesn't take long for word to reach behor uh, gloria sorry uh for for word, uh, uh, when the pcs return to Arcona palace they are greeted warmly and swiftly escorted uh upstairs to the baths uh we i we skipped this because you only went here one time uh behor then abruptly asks uh, the pcs what they wish of him uh this is after giving you the ring of evasion set with a deep green bloodstone uh and assuming that they ask for vencarlo or neolandis he gives them a rueful smile uh and then they say that the handing him over is uh a trifle complicated he explains <laughs> that both men have been sent below to the vivified labyrinth of, of uh, a PC that succeeds on a DC-25 knowledge local check Recalls rumors of this notorious dungeon A place said to be used by the as To tor- torment and test prisoners and agents alike Behor apologizes for the difficulties <laughs> and that he won't retrieve either guest for the PCs And so the task in front of me was How do I convey this information Without having you fucking kill him right yeah,
1: now there's, like, Yeah, there's a very, s- a very straight line here that goes Oh, you're not going to go get him? As soon as you're begging for your life You'll go get him Yes
0: um, well no they, they don't do that they, they, they expect you to take his challenge yes. and go into the labyrinth
1: yes no like and so the, the, the challenge there is is how do you get people to go do th- the labyrinth and rather than just say well we're going to coerce uh, Gloria right here yes. to give us Neil uh, and so
0: and so the, re- the resolution that we had is this, this lovely salesman <laughs> conversation uh, of like giving you this idea that oh you want to go into the labyrinth and you want to save your friends. Uh, And I have them there because they're secure, (laughs) playing on sort of the dual meaning of secure, Uh uh, that, you know, they're secure in that nobody can get to them, but they're also secure in that I have them. Yes. Yes, I have secured them. Uh, And uh, I think it it did end up working out.
1: Yeah, it landed really well. Honestly,
0: Anytime time we get into a situation like this, I'm always like, this is just gonna break down into combat. All this is gonna be lost. But like, like Ophelia really fucking nailed the diplomacy of this. Uh-huh. Uh, and Glorio came to match her. Like, it, it was just really, I think one of the things that I like most about book three is you have so many instances where these like, um, these like, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for here? These like titans of personality like clash with each other, right? And like, like, um, here you have oh, we're gonna negotiate, and each of us are like the most charismatic people in Corvosa, uh-huh. uh huh. and and what does that negotiation look like? And it's it was really, it was really brilliant, like, I really <laughs> liked it,
1: it was very good, and you were really good, and you were really good. Oh. <laughs> um, I think one of the things that, um, also helped. Uh, is that although the cover of night often have to solve their problems with violence, uh, none of them are like particularly violent people. I mean, Damien is a bit fighty um, mm-hmm. and Ophelia will do what she has to, to get the job done. But, um, like probably the most overtly fighty or the, you know, the person who sort of has to solve their problems with violence most often is Lenore. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is very fundamentally a gentle person Mm -hmm. um and so like given the option to have people who are good at diplomacy speak on her behalf or people who are you know smart and good at figuring things out uh you know do the mental heavy lifting so that she doesn't have to pull out the faux chard and start start chopping off heads she's very content to have that happen um Mm -hmm. and you know she would I think in a lot of cases prefer it. Um, yeah, yeah
0: no, I can really see and that. And so,
1: you know, <clears throat> when we get an opportunity to diplomacize, uh, I think uh, a lot of the members of cover of the cover of night are not just happy but eager to take it.
0: Yeah. And uh, you did take this offer,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, and from there you get to go into the vivified labyrinth. You get to see, first of all, uh, this beautiful like. Vudrani styled palace, Mm -hmm. sort of harkening back to uh, one that the Arconas used to be like a a, like sort of a moderate noble family Mm -hmm. uh, when they kind of came to Corvosa, Mm -hmm. but then they they found their riches by going to Vudra and uh, getting getting uh, all this wealth of you know spices and textiles and you know stuff that you can. The stuff that you can take from faraway places and sell it here for more value, which has a lovely bit where he talks about that. Um, and, and now, um, the real story of what happened with uh, uh, House Arcona, they didn't just take a loan from the crown and then go, well, I don't think it was a crown at the time. They didn't just take <laughs> a loan from uh, Corvosa and then d- redouble the efforts. Like um, As we find out through the course of this dungeon, uh, there are Rakshasas here the Arconas are Rakshasas,
2: right? Yeah.
0: Uh, basically what happened to the Arcona family is they went to Vudra going like, we are Chellish. We are gonna go here and we know what's going on and we're gonna get all this wealth, this wealth and we're gonna take it back to our homeland. And what happened was some Rakshasas went, oh, that's cute. And they <laughs> fucking killed them, took their ship and then posed to them. And this Rakshasa family has been posing as as the arconas i think for like 200 or 300 years now incredible um now interestingly enough glorio uh and uh and malia are behor and vamanda they are brother and sister they were born here mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. to their rakshasa parents um and, and so they've only ever really known corvosa
2: uh-huh.
0: um, which is why when you go down into the depths uh after fighting some like uh, animate some 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 janny skeletons that are animated by fungus. Uh you get to go down <laughs> to this clickers. very interesting uh puzzle which was just developed by having bridges that don't seem to connect the right way on the map. Uh it was fun. Yeah. Uh you get to you get to face off with this this Rakshasa in the basement who kind of holds them in poor regard
1: uh-huh. cuz he doesn't
0: really see them as like legitimate Rakshasa's because they've never been to Vudra,
1: and as as uh, to keep him in line, they keep him in the basement. Well,
0: he 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 doesn't want to be part of the whole fucking charade that they're putting on upstairs. <laughs> he just wants to be down here and make his little uh, his little uh, figures,
1: and occasionally eat people, and eat
0: people, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like any good Rakshasa, you want to eat some people. <laughs> and this is sort of how we get into like the cultural blending of of stuff like. Like, um, like, Glorio, uh, and Malia, uh, they, they, they even talk about this in, like, their negotiations with you. Mm-hmm. They know they're not accepted as, like, your normal corvos and Nobles. Yeah. Uh, and they use, they use the, uh, sort of, they, they sort of use the, the commonality, mm-hmm. uh, that, that a lot of the party can relate to is that they, you know, they don't look like your typical depiction of Kellish nobility. Yeah. Right. Um, but, yeah. like, they're also, like, not just, you know, it's not just like a racial thing. It's also, a, like, they are a different species. Yes. Like, they are Rakshasas. <laughs> they don't actually relate to Corvosa and Nobles in the way Corvosa and Nobles approach thinking about things. Yeah, they right? have
1: a non-human psychology.
0: Yeah, and, like, like uh, gosh, there's, there's a really great um, there's a really great uh, discussion of Rakshasa's uh, let me look this podcast up, uh, uh, if you can please talk about yes. your experience as a party while I look up the Rakshasa, uh, yeah. discussion. Yeah,
1: so, uh, in fighting this guy in the basement, obviously we had our, our banter with, you know, um, why don't you stay for dinner, etc., etc. Um, but then like, as we, um, we, ki- so he had two big old snakes, which we killed, uh and he was quite sad that we did that uh he was quite upset uh and um at the end of it like before we knocked him out because we didn't want to kill him uh he was you know like he was just like i just wanted to talk i just wanted to negotiate you also wanted to eat us he was like yeah that too but i wanted to talk first um and we um you know we knocked him out we we kind of felt bad about it at the end, especially when we discovered uh, his room where he'd been uh, Doing some really beautiful really intricate um, And sort of delicate carvings of like animals uh, Out of various precious materials uh, and Lenore, you know, our our resident uh, shell Um was like, you know Had just a moment of really lamenting the fact that um this you know uh murderous monster who likes eating people uh was also such a skilled artisan uh, and how can these two things coexist and i really like that um you know the book takes the time to give these uh characters this dimension you know not just like oh they're sort of the civilized monsters but also that they have hobbies they have you know aspects to them that are not you know thoroughly reprehensible in every aspect of the Mm -hmm. word Mm -hmm. um you know um behor and vamanda donate to charity and maybe they do that because um it makes them look good uh and it makes other people impressed but there are plenty of humans who donate to charity for the exact same reason um yeah. And, and uh, and- you know, and then there's uh their their grumpy cousin who lives in the basement who likes to spend his time uh between uh you know, eating people, uh making beautiful little figurines
0: i believe i found the the thing that i wanted the kill every monster podcast yes when they they had their deep dive on rakshasas where they really talked about like the psychology of rakshasas oh yeah as predators you know and like like one of the things that's kind of important when you treat a rakshasa as a predator is is like you need to know what the best way to hunt people is and mm. you don't hunt people by chasing them down and attacking them because then the people would all get together and then they come after you and they'd kill you. Mm-hmm. So the way that you hunt people is you make them desire your company mm-hmm. basically. Uh and and like like and so what Gloria sort of does th- like through uh through the various actions that you get here is make himself vital to a Corvosa, right? And 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 in doing so, he actually does a lot of good for the city. Uh-huh. But it's all serving the purpose of of uh, consolidating his own wealth, so that he has more influence over Corvosa, mm-hmm. so that you know the family can hunt people.
1: Yes, <laughs> uh, yeah, and like specifically, uh, Glorio's bid to become sort of the uh, ruler of old Corvosa in this regard is to really uh, enable himself to have a. Constant supply of people to eat.
0: Uh. Yeah. And, and in fact, one of the things that is sort of the driving force of the actions here at the end of the book is that Gloria's really worried that Ilios is going to fuck this up. Right. Yeah, like, yeah. like Ilios is going to push too hard and people are going to end up, you know, revolting.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's going to fuck up this whole thing that he's done, where he's made uh, this big business here and. Uh, Created this fertile hunting grounds where he can get uh, basically um, people from Bridgefront (laughs) (laughs) to come here work for him for a little bit and then oh disappear under mysterious circumstances, Um, which is not a thing we have addressed at all in the in the podcast. But like um, you know, uh, we really wanted to have you know this buildup of the Rakshasa's you know being vital parts Mm -hmm. of the city,
1: yes, Um, Uh, and sort of. Glorio's thought on the matter being the people can't be revolting they have to be delicious yes uh... <laughs> Um.
0: and but but, th- yeah. but yeah you seal that guy away
2: yeah uh, and so we
1: sort of we sort of got uh his cousin alluded to that we sealed him away we got a robe of arcane heritage or rather a sari of arcane yes. heritage uh, to fit with sort of the, the theme of yes. of vudra
0: also, sorrys. So.
1: Also, saris are cool. Yeah.
0: Um, uh, and, uh, I mean, at this point, I'd known that we needed to get Lenora a ro- robe of arcane heritage at some point or another, and I figured this, you know, this is a place where you're dealing with sorcerous creatures like Rek-Jusse's, Uh and so I was like, ah, fucking great place to have a, of ro- a robe of arcane heritage. One of them would wear this, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And so from there, you managed to find your way into the vivified labyrinth. Yes. Uh and uh <laughs> uh you wanna tell me about how your feelings about the vivified labyrinth?
1: Oh my goodness. The vivified labyrinth was a really, really cool dungeon. Uh that ended up oh, wait, being
0: wait, sorry. Before we get into before we get into the vivified labyrinth, I do have one more thing that I wanted to talk about oh, here. Sure, sure. Which is which is the story that um Oh yes that uh that uh uh Avadeshua tells you yes uh which is this he tells you this story about uh a woman going to the mountain god uh asking for the mountain god to do something about uh these rock that are preying on the villagers uh and then the, the the mountain god weeps and basically literally cries a river uh of holy water uh and and because it's a god uh creating a river of holy water it it basically creates a magic circle, keeping the rakshasas on their island in the center of the river, but in doing so, floods the entire area, killing everyone that lived along the river. Um, which, which is, which is another one of those things that I was sort of trying to get the rakshasa perspective. You know, like, 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 this is one of those tales that uh, I, I I wrote it specifically because there's very little information about Vudra in the Pathfinder setting, and so I wanted to have. A rakshasa tell a story that they know mm-hmm. about how Vudra got to be the way it is,
1: and it was right. it's a really cool story. I felt a little bit bad going back and listening because Ophelia was questioning him at the time, and so she had to be very dismissive to hurt his feelings. Yeah, well, um, yeah, that's fine.
0: But <laughs> yeah, yeah, But yeah, like, like, um, and 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 in fact, like, I did sort of root in what what uh, and lore there is. Um, basically, the idea that I had was that. This this mountain god uh, was Matravash, and by crying became a river.
2: Ooh. And Matravash
0: is uh, a river um, like the Indus River in India, like that is vital to the survival of the people of Vudra. and is and you know in in Pathfinder, uh, like Matravash is worshipped as a god in its own right. And so, mm-hmm. sort of, the idea that I had was that this lady tells the story, and it tr- like sort of transubstantiates this mountain god into a river. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in doing so, you know, kills all these people who are living along the banks because oh, humans are so stupid, <laughs> like yeah. They uh, but, but but you know, and whether or not that's a story that actually happened, you know, yeah. Um, but it the, tells I,
1: truths to the Rakshasa. Yeah,
0: it tells truths to the Rakshasas in that we had a good thing going, and then the humans fucked it up. So we need to make sure that we keep them in their little cages so they don't fuck it up again.
1: Also, uh, how did the Rakshasas get from uh, their little island in Mudra?
0: Yes. So, so this, is the, this is the other part that I talked to Daft about, uh, sort of in between books here, is uh, like, uh, one of the ideas that I sort of had behind this story is we tell this story about these Rakshasas that are isolated on their island by by uh, by. Holy water being poured all around them. Well, how did they ever get off? Well, some idiot showed up with a
2: boat, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: and and then they could all get up. So, so like it's sort of sort of like implied there that these are the rock that were stuck on the island. But again, uh, I, don't, I don't intend for this to be like a like a fit into the canon. This is as much this is much a piece of folklore as anything else. Uh. And I think it's also important to have folklore in a setting that doesn't necessarily have rooting in the established this is the official mythology mm-hmm. like just here's a story that I just happen to have right
2: mm. uh,
0: and so we I, I wanted to have him relay that story one to you know intimidate you guys and do the whole villain <laughs> twirly mustache thing uh, but two uh, to sort of give you the Rakshasa perspective on things that humans are stupid uh, and that and that they'll make bad decisions if you let them do their own thing and you need us <laughs> so that you can, you know, be okay
2: yeah yeah
1: yeah <laughs> um, yeah uh, and then, uh anyway, yeah, then you yeah. get into the Vivified
0: Labyrinth <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, but yeah so the Vivified Labyrinth uh, was quite an experience very interesting dungeon um, very interesting visually, I think um, but w- we did I think it ended up turning out okay for a podcast format um we did a lot of descriptions of like what was yes. happening um
0: yeah i was i was really worried that the vivified labyrinth would not translate the podcast very well
1: i think, it, uh, I think but it, i think it worked out pretty yeah, well i think it did too um so uh <laughs> i had made a crack uh i think in the previous episode uh about um uh what happens if the rooms rotate on me? Uh, and, then <laughs> yeah, and then it turned out rotating. that was a central motif of the entire of the entire dungeon. Uh, yes. <laughs> um and um so freshly leveled up, we uh made our way into the vivified labyrinth and immediately ran into a symbol of pain. Oh, and rolled, terribly on our fort- and rolled terribly on our fortitude saves. Yeah. Um and so uh, we were then like well we have to get 60 feet away from the symbol let's do that and uh, so i will say my normal approach to going through dungeons is cautious yes um i make a lot of perception checks i do a lot of like careful thinking about where like, i'm like going like most
0: experienced players of yeah, of yeah, tabletop role playing games if I can, you know stuff's going to fuck you up yeah if right. i
1: can i do divinatory magic to look in the room before i enter it etc mm-hmm. etc but suddenly four out of five members of my party and the animal companion were suffering under a symbol of pain mm-hmm. and uh, sorry it was it was three three of five and the animal companion um, i was like i need to get away from this thing the penalties are so bad mm-hmm. um and and so um I threw a little bit of my usual caution to the wind and ran straight into another symbol. Yes. Uh,
0: And put Lenore to sleep. Which
1: put Lenore to sleep. Yes. Uh, And then so we were trying to contend with both of those. And then the Dark Sphinx showed up.
0: Yes. Beautiful Dark Sphinx. Civet. Uh, Love her. Uh, Uh...
1: Girl boss,
0: yeah. Uh, <laughs> gaslight, keep girl boss.
2: Uh,
0: <laughs> one of the things that I like about Civet so much is you know she's a dark sphinx, right? And and uh, dark sphinx is being created uh, as a fusion of sphinxes and devils. Mm. Uh, and uh, one of the things that I liked that that you kind of played with is, oh, does she like riddles? It's like no, dark sphinx is <laughs> like killing you. <laughs> uh, and and like like the thing that dark sphinxes enjoy in a way that sphinxes enjoy riddles is being surrounded by deadly traps right? huh. and and so she's happy enough that you fell into this trap uh and she tries to take lenore uh-huh. uh you managed to get lenore uh, awake before she can dimension door away with her
1: <laughs> yeah we did we did manage to get uh get her out of uh Civit's way, mm-hmm. um, Portobello picked her up in his tentacles and moved her, uh, and then stood in front of her, uh, being as big and scary as possible.
0: Yes. Um, uh, a, a, a trick that I have done uh, to uh, a party before that Daft was in, uh, is <laughs> is when somebody's unconscious, Dimension Door with them, because in Pathfinder 1E, if you are unconscious, you are considered willing for things like Dimension Door. Yep. Uh, so you can you can take somebody from the party, uh and
1: uh yeah i actually was, did it in the third was, book yes, of Iron Gods. i was just gonna say that was the book three boss fight in iron gods
0: yeah um, we we uh we had a we had a ghost that dimension doored the party rogue away uh
1: <laughs> after, she after she
0: fell unconscious uh and uh, that was also similarly a great way to break tactics uh that's yeah. also a really fun thing to do in, in like third books usually mm-hmm. by the time the party has yeah. Coalesced into a, a solid unit. You go, okay, your usual tactics, fuck that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: And I think I think on the part of Paizo w- with the design of the dungeon, it's good dungeon design yeah. in that, you know, well, oh yeah, you're gonna run into this and now it's gonna break your break your tactics, and yeah. now you're gonna go this way. And now you're congratulations, you're deeper into the into the labyrinth.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then like af- so after so we managed to sort of scare Civit away mm-hmm. um, by dealing some damage to her. Uh, she retreated. Um, another part of fuck your tactics. Um, my party is usually pretty good at staying together. Mm-hmm. My party got separated from each other. Yeah,
0: by the rotating rooms. By the
1: rotating rooms. Uh, in that, uh, I think, was it Portobello went over and pulled a lever? Yes. Uh, <laughs> mm. um, because, you know, Portobello has an int of five, and we're both on board with this. Yes. Um, uh, and, and so the party got split. Uh, with uh, Squelch and Portobello and Unia, um, oh no, wait, no, Unia was with the other party.
0: Yeah, Squelch- and then Unia got got on their own at one point. Yes,
1: uh, so it was Squelch and Portobello, I think, separate from everybody else. Yes,
0: and um, and then um, uh, Squelch and Portobello went one way, and the rest of the party went another way. Yeah, the rest um- of the party encounters this lovely trap with the three chests. Which has like the most confusing wording of anything. Oh, I've Actually, ever seen.
1: yeah, Squelch was still there for that. That was before oh. the Darksfix. Oh, sorry, effect.
0: that was before the Dark yeah. Uh but yeah. Um but yeah, then they get separated and um long story short, um, each group of of uh of characters meets a Vencarlo.
1: Yes. Uh They uh <laughs> Squelch,
0: Squelch meets a Vencarlo uh in another room. Uh, I believe the Fangs of Diamazol uh room, yes. uh, where oh, beaten, bloodied, uh, looking worse for wear, uh, here's a, here's a Vencarlo, yes. and the rest of the party get to Civet's throne room, and find a Vencarlo there, and then get attacked by Civet, <laughs> yes. By Civet in the throne room. But, um, given that you are in this dungeon for like six fucking episodes, uh, yeah. <laughs> and we didn't really ever run into a lot of the traps, because you guys either threw cunning or through yeah. uh, help from one of the Ven Carlos uh managed to avoid them uh like basically <clears throat> we have a lot of dungeon crawling and then you guys meet back up with uh with two Ven Carlos uh, with two Ven Carlos and each of you thinking oh this is the real Ven Carlo right cuz at this point each of you have had times with your Ven Carlo yeah to get everything together and honestly getting the party separated like this I was so glad I was able to do this reveal at both times. Yes. Um, like I, I didn't know if that was gonna happen from the beginning, um, and the fact that things things lined up so that we could have our episode of we had we had like a full session of there are two Van Carlos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and each of you, excuse me, uh, each of you basically getting ingratiated with your Van Carlo. Yeah, yeah. And then meeting and being like, oh fuck. <laughs>
1: uh yeah uh and so yeah we sort of we ended the session with everybody meeting back up or at least with the anticipation that everyone would meet back up um oh no we did we did because they both said I'm the real van carlo just trust me you have to trust me um and that was where we ended it
0: yeah Um, and then we had uh, in the next session like uh some some like proving yourselves. Yeah, uh, um,
1: yeah, we did a um, uh, slice yourself with this knife.
0: This is session sixty-four. Split jacks. Uh,
1: <laughs> I think it's actually it's session sixty-five. Now we're in
0: sixty-five. Unmasked.
1: Yeah. Unmasked. Um, we we did some uh, good stuff. Um, so we had them each cut themselves with a knife because mm-hmm. we knew that Rakshasa's had damage reduction. Um, and well,
0: wait, wait, wait. before you did that, oh, you, you asked them questions to sort of like sort of like establish who the real one is. Sorry, yes. Yeah. Unfortunately, one of the things that you get that you get with uh, Rakshasa, which it turns out one of them is a Rakshasa,
2: <laughs>
0: is they can read minds. So if you ask them a question that you want them to respond with the right answer, a Rakshasa can get the right answer from whoever failed their will save. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and they can say what you want them to say because they know someone in the group is thinking it. Yeah.
1: Uh, uh-huh. Notably, Ophelia, uh, one of the people who knows Carlo best uh, and is sort of looking to take on the mantle of Blackjack. Mm-hmm. Uh, terrible will saves. Very bad will saves. Very bad yes. will saves. Um, like most Rogi types. Yeah, like most Rogi types. Um, very good reflex saves. Very bad will saves. Um, <laughs> and um, she was basically an open book for the entire time and so both Ben Carlos said things like um you know your your work as a vigilante has been very important and uh you, you know i've i'm glad that i entrusted the the uh you know i'm glad i entrusted uh the mantle of blackjack to you and things like yes. that um notably i believe uh so uh Mm-hmm. The the larger part of the party who had rescued their Vencarlo from Civet had put him in the blackjack armor and given him his yes. stuff so that he could fight. Yes. Um and so we had Blackjack and we had Vencarlo. Yes. <laughs> the first time that's ever happened, Yes. both Blackjack and Vencarlo Orsini were in the, in the same, same room at together. the same time. Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> and yes, yeah, so they were both saying things like this. Mm-hmm. Um and so uh, we realized that asking questions wasn't going to be useful. Um, so we decided to have them uh, cut their hands mm-hmm. to see if there's any to see if there's any difference, because uh, we we were we were very um, suspicious of various things being Rakshasa's. Um, basically, from the outset, coming in because we had had that one little snake attack us. Um, yes, way back in book one. <laughs> way back in book one, yes. we're like, oh shit, they can look like anything. Uh, so, um, so we had them slice their hands. Unia made a really high DC heal check to yeah. overcome the disguised DC yes. of uh, the Rakshasa. Yeah. One of those,
0: th- one of those rare instances where I'm like, oh, use a skill in a different way. It's like, oh, you're making a heal check. It's like, well, your result beat the disguise check. So, you, like, basically, the the idea being like, oh, the dental records don't match on these two patients.
2: <laughs> like-
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, they were able to see that uh, Van Carlo, uh, who was not in the blackjack gear, had um, pressed the knife harder into his hand to draw blood. Yeah. Uh, and then, so then we tried. Um, hold person mm-hmm. uh, which we knew would work if Van Carlo were Van Carlo because Vencarlo's human yes. and hold person works on humans yes. um but if if uh Ven Carlo were anything else like an outsider or a non-humanoid yes. um it wouldn't, work. it wouldn't work
0: and and now to be fair you cast a spell and uh the Vencarlo Carlo that you cast it on tried to play it off like it did work because I actually rolled a spellcraft check as you were as you were casting it And, um, and, uh, Vamanda, who it turns out this was Vamanda, uh, AKA Malia Arcona, uh, posing as basically daughter of Gloria Arcona in the ruse, actually brother and sister. Um, and, uh, she failed to identify your spell as your spell was being cast. Uh And so didn't know how to react properly for it, Mm. but, but, but sort of followed the the manifestations of it to try and be like oh look i'm i'm held uh, like i'm all bound up now but i don't know what i'm supposed to be doing
1: uh, yeah and uni was like well you're not supposed to be talking uh. <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> and so you, you got her that way yeah uh it, now it's one of those one of those great times where it we're really dependent on dice rolls like if she had gotten if she had gotten the spellcraft check like it, that probably wouldn't have worked yeah. she would have just acted like she was held like yeah. as per whole person yeah yeah uh, and I mean you don't really I mean if you could have like detected magic to see if it was still you got, her. gone
1: over and tickled uh, her yeah
0: or whatever like uh, but you know it <laughs> happened to work uh, and uh I yeah. think that was a really good test mm-hmm. uh and I'm glad it worked out that way yeah um
1: uh, so- but
0: uh, essentially she then begins bargaining for her life. Um basically being like, look, uh, I'm trapped in here just as much as you guys are. I wanna get out. I wanna kill I wanna kill my brother because he's gonna fuck up this whole thing that we have going. He's being way too public. Somebody's gonna catch on, they're gonna find out that we're rock I wanna go back to the way things were, right? Like, I want to go back to living in the shadows, secret. And you know, this was a very tense negotiation yeah, too. Yeah. Uh, but like uh like again, similarly. Uh, Ophelia taking point on the negotiation mm-hmm, here, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. really fucking nailing it.
2: <laughs> um,
0: I you know it's, it's one of those, it's actually, this is actually one of the rare times where we change something in the editing process. In that, um, when we first recorded the, the session, I was like, oh, this is a cool negotiation. And then we went back and we made it sexier. Yeah, <laughs> we,
1: were, we were listening to it and we we're like, Oh
0: shit! Like, there's a lot of sexual tension between these two, <laughs> like, yeah, like, and so and so uh, we had them get like really close, and I was like, oh, you can smell like her perfume, and it's like really nice, and like, <laughs> uh, and so like we, we actually we actually did pickups <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: for this yeah. recording just, to be like,
0: oh, the sexual tension in the scene is like there, just
1: like just like crank it up just a little bit more, <laughs> yeah,
0: and you know, like I think that's that's one of the reasons that uh, Ophelia uh, works so well is like she's yeah. sort of the femphetal. Like yeah. uh, uh assassination. She's
1: she's Bond and the Bond girl. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean I mean, I would say that like like Vermont is definitely the Bond girl here. Oh yes. Like but she's yes. she's like the Bond girl that betrays Bond here. Yeah, you know. No, like, and yeah, this um, is
1: Ophelia's definitely Bond here and Vamada's yeah. the betrayer Bond girl.
0: Yeah. Uh and and like and like uh oh gosh. It was just such a good scene. It was very good. Um, um and, also the
1: bit with like um um, you know, um, well, this, this happens a little later. Like, uh, she, she takes us to Neolandis, uh, cause we're like, we're not going to go. Yeah, that's what
0: we're getting to is, yeah. is, um, is basically you have this negotiation where, where, where she has been saying the entire time that they need to go after Behor. Whereas uh-huh. the, the one just Blackjack turns out to be the real one, Carla was like, no, we need to go for Neolandis. Mm-hmm. And now that she's outed as, hi, I'm Vamanda, I'm a fox headed Rakshasa. Mm -hmm. Um, you guys are like we're not fucking going with your plan Yeah, like we're going with Vincarlo who's our friend and also we came here to get Neolandis we're gonna go get Mm Neilandis, uh and so you go get Neolandis uh unfortunately we get to find out why she wanted the negotiation to go the other way Uh is that when you get there Neolandis is being guarded uh by an Asura uh who is in service to Gloria yeah uh specifically, more specifically, is in service to the head of House Arcona. hmm Uh, how did you feel?
1: Oh, gosh. Uh, S-s-s-s- so, so we went in there and, um, uh, Vamanda was like, well, I was hoping we could come back down here after because, um, because she's currently in service to the head of House Arcona and I'm not yet head of House Arcona, now we have to kill her. Mm-hmm. Um.
0: She, she had a, a lovely quip to, uh, uh the asura being like your contract is under renegotiation
1: yeah Uh, (laughs) and we were very scared of this asura um who had you know multiple weapons and many arms Mm -hmm. uh and then we won initiative and we kind of just fucking destroyed her uh yeah and it was like oh Mm -hmm. uh and then yeah so uh we got neolandis we learned that neolandis had been um tortured Tortured for information at the hands of amanda and had another very tense scene between the party and amanda going um you still want us to work with you after you did this to our friend Mm -hmm. um and was like we just needed information like you 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 don't understand like being a uh high level um noble in corvosa is super dangerous we needed to know what queen iliosa was planning etc etc and now we know and now we know right see it's so this, you can um, have your
0: guy and yeah, it doesn't matter
1: yeah and then um uh, you know ophelia sort of confronted her and we again got this nice tension <laughs> but like you know a little bit different this time and that ophelia was like you didn't just torture him because you needed information yes if you needed information you could have just asked him or used some you know like, used magic um to get it from his mind you tortured him because you like it and this is and this is and this is the
0: this is the scene where you get the like uh like do you like it the feeling of power Uh, yeah you uh, you
1: did it because you like having power over people and and and
0: and, and like but that's the the point where they get like really close yeah and 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 she just looks at you and she's like i could ask you the same thing yeah like uh and and uh basically you negotiate that if you guys help her kill glorio You'll get to go free, Mm -hmm. right? She'll tell you the whole deal, right? Yep. Uh, About why they were doing this and everything, uh, and uh, like why they voted to give the queen power and everything, Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. and then you guys can go free,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: like with Neil andis with
1: Neil andis and Van
0: Carla. And so then you go up, yep, and you fight uh, Glorio, aka Behor. Uh, Oh my
1: goodness! uh,
0: This was the. This was the all stops out fight. Oh my god! Um, like, like basically, there are different stages uh, of how difficult the fight with Glorio can be. <laughs> Unfortunately, you guys trip you guys tripped every possible red flag <laughs> that he could have, and so we got a huge fight with Glorio, the elephant, a water elemental, and guards. Yeah. Um. There's there's other ways to do this where like if you manage to keep him from looking at you through the bloodstones. You might be able to sneak up and like kill him in his bathtub or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, I, he, was, I,
1: he was watching us in the ring. He gave us the whole time. Yes. Um,
0: <laughs> but you guys got the, ah, he knows we're coming. He knows you've been negotiating with me to overthrow him. Yeah. He's got all the stops out because he wants to fucking stop us. Yeah. Uh, and so they so meet it was you. A big
1: fight. It was a big
0: fight. Uh. And uh, like a lot of things dropped way faster than I intended. Yeah, uh,
1: we uh, we rolled pretty well in initiative, or in particular, Vamanda did, mm-hmm. uh, and she went over and she took out the elephant like in, immediately in like a round because mm-hmm. she got sneak attack, uh, and. Um, yeah, she kicked its ass. So we didn't have to deal with the elephant, which Rain was really excited about using because apparently it can trample, powerful and it can charge. Overrun, and Um and... It-
0: you, you remember remember in Iron Gods, there's the part where you have the Triceratopses, and they have this thing where oh they can god. do shitloads of damage when they charge? Yeah. That had that same ability. Oh my god. And I was like, I really wanted to do he it. He was hoping uh, he could kill one of the party members basically, outright. Basically, at a certain point, when you when you spec into charging in Pathfinder... You turn your character into a missile
2: uh, <laughs> that you
0: launch at things and they just explode. Uh, I did this with uh, with a brawler that I built named Herta uh, in Reign of Winter, uh, and but like you know you you can you can have these characters that. It, they're gonna go from here to there, and after that movement is done, the, the thing that you pointed them at is gone. Like,
1: <laughs> uh,
0: and that's what the elephant was basically spec'd into doing.
1: But it lost initiative. But it lost
0: initiative, and so Vamonda <laughs> killed it in one round. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then
1: we set up some good. Uh, um, we set up some good crowd control stuff, mm-hmm. uh, and we, so we had Airwalk up, and then Squelch set up spike stones yeah that was a good uh, combo which uh limited uh folks ability to um uh five foot step yes. and end up sort of effectively restricting a lot of the fight to from in this big room to one corner of it mm-hmm. um uh, unfortunately so, unfortunately you did not
0: restrict the place where things really mattered which is right next to uh glorio yeah and uh and ophelia ended up right next to glorio at the start in of a, one of his yeah, rounds in
1: in a uh tactical misstep that i regretted forever and ever and yeah. ever i put ophelia 10 feet from glorio arcona he five foot stepped and then did circling mongoose Yes. Uh on all of his attacks to get sneak attack yeah. on all of his attacks.
0: I, I I do have uh I do have to admit uh there may have been a rule faux pas here on my part. I don't know if you can five foot step before you circling mongoose.
2: Uh
0: however, uh one of the reasons that I you know I, I I didn't go back and be like, Oh we have to redo the whole fight is the difference would have been whether he killed her on the on like I think the third attack. Or killed her on the fifth attack. Yeah, like he still fucking destroyed her. Yes. Like I think uh, by the time you were done, yeah. you still had,
1: yeah, like, like
0: two or three attacks left, and reason, that's yeah. what he used to then take her head, grab it by like grab it by the hair, pull her pull her head back, cut off.
1: Yeah, like uh, the, the reason the that neck. kill was so brutal was because he over over killed her. Yeah,
0: like like I, I had you I had you dead. I think by the third attack, uh-huh. and they were like, uh, let me look at Gloria's sheet again real quick. Um, one of the reasons that uh, this was so brutal is uh, you're, uh, if, if anybody's read the house rules, I have this thing where we get rid of feat tax feats yeah. because there's certain feats in Pathfinder, uh, read Elephant in the Room, uh, that uh, that you know are really just there to prevent you from getting to more interesting feats later. Um, and so, one of the things that I made available to the players at the start of the game is that you can you can uh, basically bypass some of the feat taxes by combining some feats. And and there's a whole thing out there. It's called Elephant in the Room. Um, if you want to know the details of how this works, um, I use a slightly modified version of it because uh, I think the uh, Elephant in the Room only builds two weapon fighting rogues, um, and I wanted it to be more versatile for other characters, so I added some stuff for other characters like spell penetration levels when you hit, cast your level 10 and stuff like that. But anyway, point being, Glorio uh, had more feats available, and so I specced him into the, uh, into the circling mongoose feat tree, (laughs) which basically allows you to take steps between attacks of a full round attack. And, and get sneak attack damage when you do it, right? And so he had, let's see. Uh, So he has, he can either have bite and two claws or he can have the cookery, which he uses uh, one, two, three, four, and then I believe he was hasted. Yes. Yes. Uh, So five attacks with the cookery and then a bite and then an offhand claw.
1: Yeah. Uh, Because
0: he's also specced into multi-weapon fighting. Uh... Oh no, he's not expected to it. There is a big penalty on his offhand attack.
1: But, oh darn! Well, I mean, it,
0: the penalty's on there already, so like it doesn't really matter.
1: It's a minus five we on never, the on the offhand. We never so, even got to that point.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, um, what we did is, I think I killed you on the.
1: Third or, third or fourth, fourth attack, yeah.
0: But then I still had like three attacks left, yeah. And uh, yeah, no, it
1: was it was so brutal. Yeah. And, th- and this was just outside the area of the spike stones. This was just outside the area of difficult terrain. Yes. Uh, Ophelia ran a little bit too far forward to kill an enemy who, to be fair, was doing like, uh, um, kind of sort of prismatic sprays at yes. the party, uh, and was you know. Oh, yes, he also,
0: he also had Piranha Strike up here. So, like, yeah. he was taking a minus, what is it, B A B Yeah, he has a base attack bonus of plus 16. Jesus. So, he was just at the tier you need to be to get a minus 5 on attack and a plus <laughs> 10 to damage. Oh, God. Uh, so, while on the sheet, like, uh, it just has it at, um, you know... Uh, plus uh one d four plus seven with the cookery. Uh-huh. Uh when you piranha strike that's now one D four plus seventeen.
1: Yeah, no, it was uh, he sliced and, her and that was without the sneak attack, but also got crits
0: on fifteen to twenty.
1: Yeah. This, so he crit, he sneak attacked, like it, he cut her to ribbons.
0: Yeah, she was, was fucking destroyed.
1: It was extremely
0: brutal. And um and but then um Lenore had this fucking crazy retribution. Oh my
1: god. It was and amazing. She
0: in turn crit like three times? Yeah. And Uh, You had your lovely Sixth Emperor Tyrannus uh, line where you shouted at Behor uh, as you killed him. Mm -hmm. And with that, unseated uh, Behor as the head of House Arcona. Uh
1: And unseated Ophelia's head.
0: From her body. (laughs) Um, And that also means that it's harder to res her. Now you need resurrection because the remains are
1: fucked up. I did have a listener um, come in with a question. Thank you, Malinoria from uh, uh, the Pot Against the Machine Discord, um, who asked why Squelch didn't just cast Reincarnate, uh, which Squelch would have been able to do. Um, Uh And the answer is we just
0: didn't think about it
1: I just didn't think about it Uh, I thought that reincarnate needed the body to be in good condition like raised dead does Uh, it does Um, not uh, and so I just didn't I didn't consider it and so we didn't do it Um, but uh, also sort of just in terms of like character reasons um You know, Ophelia's had some stuff happen to her regarding, like, the form of her body that she's not really consented to. uh, And Mm -hmm. I think that the party would discourage Squelch from casting reincarnate just because it would mean that she would come back in a different body. Yeah. Um, And, you know, we're willing to shell out the money for a resurrection. uh, So we're going to do that instead.
0: Also, I think it's perfectly fair for Squelch to have just been in shock and not thought of it because. Yeah. Holy fuck. Yeah, like, holy fuck. My friend just got their head cut off. I
1: just met this person and I love them. And you didn't have it prepped that day. No, so. I didn't have it prepped that day. Yeah.
0: Uh, and so you could have prepped it a later day, but, you know, at that point we were already talking about like burying her and stuff like this. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, oh, I'm j- now I'm looking at uh, Gloria's sheet again. He also had arcane strike.
1: Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: and I believe uh, due to feet tax breaks, he also got uh... Yeah.
1: Oh no no! Sorry, uh, he he had you know everything that goes into getting a Oh game no, he didn't up
0: specialization because he doesn't have fighter levels. Never mind. Uh, anyway, but yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty brutal. Um, but yeah, yeah. And yeah. with that, Vamanda was like, "All right, here's your money. Get the fuck out of my house."
1: Yeah. I uh, have to mourn the death of my father. Yeah
0: um who was
1: horribly killed now
0: she did technically tell you that she was going to tell you what their whole deal was i don't think we got into all of it
1: no because we were in shock (laughs) you guys were in shock because ophelia's
0: dead and she didn't push it because she doesn't want to give you the information if you don't push her for it
1: yeah yeah
0: no technically i will say this you did have a deal yes so if you ever want to hold her to that you know you could probably hold her to that deal Mm. she's an outsider making a deal with an outsider has, like, more weight than making it with a humanoid. Mm. Uh, and, like, but, like, yeah, you didn't push for the info. I think I've talked about it a little bit, mm-hmm. like, um, essentially, one of the things that they ran into um, in the earlier parts of um, Curse of the Crimson Throne is they could tell something was going on mm-hmm. in in uh, Castle Corvosa, with uh, Iliosa and Adrid. they wanted more information about it. They were pushing to get this information, mm-hmm. and then, lo and behold, um, uh, fucking, fucking uh, uh, Salvatore Scream shows up with the Seneschal. Yeah, and they're like, "Oh shit, yeah, come on in. Pop <laughs> your feet up on the pop your feet up on the couch. Come down here into the basement where I'm gonna lock you up and imprison you. And you better tell me what the fuck's going on in there." Um, and uh, like they didn't get they didn't get uh Neolandis for a while, um. But basically, they could tell something was wrong as soon as Iliosa started getting influenced by the Crown of Fangs, mm-hmm. uh, and so by succeeding on a sense motive check, essentially, mm-hmm. they knew something was wrong and they needed to prepare. And so they started gathering supplies mm-hmm. because Iliosa was acting weird. Yeah. Um. And they were they were like something's going to happen here. We don't know what it is. But we need to be ready for whatever the crown is gonna do, uh, and so all the world's meat happened because they were preparing for something that they didn't know the exact nature of.
2: Mm. Uh, but they knew
0: they were gonna need supplies, and one of the things that they were like is what they were gonna do is be like, okay, whatever catastrophe happens here, we should give food to the poor to make ourselves look good,
2: mm-hmm. right?
0: Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then uh, one of the, my favorite like. Things just happen sometimes. Situations is <laughs> just the people that that um her her little uh, boy toy picked. Yeah. Uh Veric just, van Kaskerken Verric Van Kaskerken Uh her little boy toy, Verric van Kaskerken just picked some shit guards and they started <laughs> killing people and using their meat.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh to to yeah. fill out the uh, orders. I
1: say, that, that was one of the big surprises for me, was that the Arconas legitimately had, had no nothing idea. to do with that. They yeah. had no idea I mean, that that was happening. Yeah,
0: I, I think, I think uh, yeah, she said, oh, would you believe that? And I don't know if you're, did your party ever believe her on that? Like,
1: I, I think eventually they did. Mm. Um, and, but, like,
0: and like, um, it's one of those cases where, yeah, it just fucking happened. Um, yeah. Now, did it happen for a reason beyond what we see? Ooh, who knows? Maybe, maybe this is part of the curse that comes in there. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, like, um, and, and then, and then they got Neolandis. They were able to torture Neolandis for information. They find out about the Crown of Fangs. They find out about this whole thing uh, that's going on. Um, and uh, basically, they then. then blood veil happens mm-hmm. and you know the the arconas are not stupid like no oh you took the you took the throne and then this this terrible crisis just happens that you just <laughs> happen to have the solution for interesting like, we know that racket we've been doing that for years <laughs> yes, yes like um and so they went okay let's get our own cure together Let's cure old Corvosa, and then will look good. Uh-huh. But then you guys cured Bloodveil,
2: uh,
0: <laughs> and and, and uh, during during Bloodveil, uh, like famously, uh, one of the things that we were investigating here is they denied Ilios's first attempt mm-hmm. uh, to to uh,
1: instate uh, Togamore to instate
0: Seneschal, to as Seneschal. Um, but then. <laughs> One of the things that you guys were investigating is why did they say yes? Yes. Uh, and ultimately what happened was um when they said no, Iliosa basically said, "Oh, well, how about this uh she was, she was like, "Well, how about this uh piece of property that you guys have uh underneath your warehouse here. Uh I I could just take that." Uh <laughs> Uh, or you could say yes, and I'll buy it at a fair price.
2: Mm. Uh, and so, really,
0: like, like uh, one of the main reasons that they that they uh, relented is that they that they didn't want to just lose out on this business deal that they had.
2: Uh-huh. Um, and, uh huh.
0: And additionally, they th- at this point they started going, oh shit, Ilios is up to something. We don't know what it is. Uh, and then when the Temple of Ergathoa thing came out, uh-huh. that there was a Temple of Ergathoa under the warehouse, they were like. They put two and two together and they were like, oh she's she's doing this whole thing to to do it because they knew there wasn't a temple of Urgothoa down there before oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then she took it and now there's a temple of Urgothoa. Uh, and and um, so basically uh, in the time that she came to ask them about uh, Toga, which was before uh, all this came to light, um, mm-hmm. they basically went, okay, okay okay. If she's gonna blackmail us into letting us have this or take all of our holdings on, on the mainland, right? Mm-hmm. Um let's just give her this power, and then once we've done that, we can take it, we can we can get her off the throne and we'll and then we'll take that power for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So it's essentially we're gonna give her the authority to do this because then we're gonna take the throne.
1: Yeah. And uh, then, it, then it won't matter because we'll then have it won't all matter because we'll
0: have in. the power, right? Yeah. Um, and so that's when Gloria started concocting his scheme to cure Bloodveil. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you guys beat him to it. Yeah. And and now he's like, ah, oh, fucking hell! I like, <laughs> and so and so, But by you guys coming to him, he's like, ah, this just solved itself. You're like the you're like the only people that seem to be able to get anything done in Corvosa. If I get you on my side, you're the heroes of Corvosa, uh-huh. right? I can then go back and be like, I cured Bloodveil on Endron Isle, I am allied with the cover of Night, and then basically win public favor to his his name, and then basically uh, one step leads to another, basically take the throne at some point.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a very effective strategy, all he needs to do is start wearing Siren brand shoes. Yep. You're we didn't, wearing our no, we we merchandise. We, no, we
0: didn't get into all this, but Daft and I have discussed it since. So I wanted to share it with all of you lovely people who've listened to us for now like what, three
1: hours? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> I suppose you've listened to us for many more hours previous to this. Know, so. Maybe maybe maybe. Some cost and all that. Yeah, it's, Why would you it's stop gotta be going somewhere,
0: now, right? Yeah. <laughs> um but that is uh book three. Uh, we we then had a uh, had an episode with uh, Denouement. Yeah, uh, of, we learned uh,
1: about um, the the secrets behind the uh, the Crown of Fangs. Yes, in that it holds a fragment of a soul of a blue dragon named Kazavon, mm-hmm. uh, and that um, there are um, plenty of there are six other pieces. Um, this one particular uh, artifact. Was, well, actually,
0: I don't think you have that yet.
1: Um, we, ha- we, we, learned, we learned that there were seven pieces a little bit. Previous oh to right, that. you
0: learned that in the in the. Uh, yes. Um, in in the uh, in, Cit- in Citadel of raid. Yeah. Um, and. Sorry, I'm also dealing with. We are are now a book a f- book further in, and I'm trying to make sure we're not dropping any knowledge yes. that uh, hasn't I pulled, come back yet. I pulled
1: out specifically my notes for this. Ah. um So. Um, in that he was uh, a worshiper of Zonkuthon, mm-hmm. uh, a blue dragon who got hired by ustalavik nobles um <laughs>
0: right to, yeah has uh, found uh, yeah. this in the archives yes. at an engine isle yes
1: has yes. yes. found this in the archives uh after he noticed that Ilyosa had found this artifact um in the pyramid also known as the grand mastaba upon which castle corvosa is built mm-hmm. um so, uh, we learned Kazvan was a worshipper of Zankifan, uh, or was, uh, and was a blue dragon, uh, was hired by Ustalav to push back orcs from Belksin, but ended up keeping the land for himself, um, Ustalav hired some adventurers to go and kill him, uh, they, uh, kind of succeeded, uh, and ended up binding his soul to a bunch of artifacts that they scattered around the area, um, with warnings like mm-hmm. the stone that was placed over the crown that ended up in Merciful Jagari's care at the museum mm-hmm. uh, that was like don't fuck with these things <laughs> they're bad Yes. Um, and uh, in order to get more information he knows that the uh, the Shawanti uh, have more information on why this happened and what the whole deal with Kazavan is or was mm-hmm. Or will be, uh, and that uh, he needs to take some time to talk to Thousand Bones, uh, who we met in uh, at the end of Book One. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, he Thousand needs Thousand Bones to-
0: being the a diplomat on the behalf of the Sconequa yes. who uh, was who you you recovered his grandson's body from uh, the Rathlam. Rothlams dungeon. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, and uh, he was going to need some time to figure that out. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile. Uh, we were on the run as Vamanda went out to talk to all of the folks who were receiving blood veil cures. Yes. Uh, going, the cover of night, they killed my father, Glorio. Yes. Oh uh,
0: we even had like a lovely thing where like she's rehearsing how to cry in front of the reporters.
1: Yes. Like, it was my, f- father <laughs> my father is dead. My father is dead. Yeah. Um and so we
0: and we get our we get our lovely
1: uh
0: like uh evil Morty theme. The the villain has won. Yeah. It's a really fucking low point for you guys We we're
1: on the run. Ophelia's dead, all of our possessions are in a bag
0: on a boat. On a boat.
1: And Neil and Landis is also in the bag. Yeah. Yep. And then,
0: Ophelia's father shows up,
1: and is like, "What have you done with my daughter?"
0: Yeah. And I wonder what's gonna happen. there. Oh wait, that episode's out. Now. Now.
1: Oh shit! Go
0: listen to that. Shit. Yeah, we're getting into in book four here. Oh my god. Uh. And so that is where we pick up with session sixty-eight of, of curse, curse of, of the, the Crimson Throne. Throne. Very nice.
1: <laughs> Go listen.
0: It's it's, it's going to be. Great.
1: Do it, do it. It's great. Our friend Mike. He's he's yeah. awesome. Mike,
0: Mike plays uh, Ophelia's dad. Also, at the time we recorded this, uh, he was not a dad, yes. and now he is a dad. He is. He's a dad now. <laughs> He's got a lovely little potato. Uh,
1: very cute, very potato. Hey, bye. bye. See you now. See you now. Ah, book ah. four. Of course, of course, of course. <laughs> a different Wait,
2: What? what?